This is a journey into sound. Howard 100. Sexy school teacher, Robin. You look like a sexy school teacher this morning. I just want you to know that. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and nothing wrong with that. Hubba, hubba. Uh, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> hey, now. You know, speak. Let me start off with Ron. I was going to start hey off now. with. Uh, I heard that Ronnie busted a, um, a vessel in his eye uh, having sex oh. with his uh, fiance. Jesus Getting old Christ. sucks. But uh, before I get to that, I, I do want to mention in honor of Robin, we did make a phony phone call. You know, Robin so many times makes inspirational speeches on our show, uh, inspires millions of people every day with her attitude and her wisdom. And I guess uh, the guys chopped up your best comments and um, called a spiritual Internet show and you were a big hit. I was a hit. Oh. You were a hit. That's right. You are live on air. Who do we have? This is Robin Quivers. Hey, welcome, I'm... Robin. How can we serve you? What's on your mind? I just want you to know that I love you oh. and want you to always be happy. Wow. Thank you. Honored. Delighted. The right person will love you for who you are, as you are. No change needed. That's great. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. What I think you think of me is what I think of me. What I what you think is what you think of you. I think. That was amazing. Thank you. I was inspired. For sure. Everyone smiles in the same language. Mm. Yep. Powerful. Good one. Call me butter, because I'm on a roll. <laughs> 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 Oh, that's hilarious. Like gravy on a biscuit. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to sing. Oh, okay. You know, I think it's one of the purest energies there is. Yeah. music and sound and what right. sound does to the nervous system. Yes. Go ahead. Vajaba, jaba, jaina. Hey. <laughs> Not a tune I'm familiar with. Baja, baja, vagina. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I want to. Baja, vagina. Oh, okay. <sighs> Here's number two. You don't do it. Face down, ass up. Mm. That's the way we like to fight. No. <laughs> uh, mm. Well, apparently we've lost that caller. We do have a hand up. Great. Let's say hello. You're on the air. Hi. Whoa. Don't. Vagina. I'm the queen no, of vagina. No, no, no. I'm ready for your penis. Insanity. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, the... Um, so I'm going to just say thank you all for joining us, and we're going to go work in the garden. So I'll hold you in a blessing. Blessings. Bye-bye. Yeah, you uh, drove them to go work in the garden and drop the wow. radio show. Yeah, I'm amazed. Uh, he was speechless. It was really uh, powerful. <laughs> Robin Angelou. <laughs> By the way, uh, they issued a statement. You are permanently banned from that show. Really? Oh, yeah. geez. I'll have to disguise my number. Next. Robin Ophelia Quivers. Live your life. Be free. Right. All of the...
Anyway, there you go, Robin. You kick off the show with your inspiration and uh, spread, <laughs> spreading of joy. Thank you. <laughs> I knew when I was asking to sing that it was going down. <laughs> I, I forgot the vagina Gina song or whatever that is. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, yeah. That was somebody we found that recording on the hmm. internet or something, and I was just doing a version of it. Fabulous version. Love your version. A vagina Damn. vagina. <laughs> uh yeah 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 robin quivers what a gorgeous day to wake up to right we got a million of those robin you can only receive what you believe <laughs> whatever i get it <laughs> can, can i go work good in my one, garden now i i, I, I want to go to the garden <laughs> Uh, before I get to uh, the many obituaries I must deliver this morning, uh, I do want to, um, I think we're close to delivering Ronnie's obituary. Evidently, he was uh, having sex in the missionary position and blew out his eyeball. Um, I get it. You get older, weird shit starts happening, right, Ron? you care to give a report what happened and maybe warn others? Uh, I mean, it has. it's happened before. It's not the first time. Wow. But I, I don't think, I don't, I don't, it was just a weird thing that night because what happened was Stephanie, she went, uh, she was gone all day. She was with her, her friends for the wedding gown. They did that whole deal, you know, and they right. got lost for the whole day. She left at like 10 in the morning, didn't call home till like 11 o'clock at night. She was, she was trashed. And I had been, I had, was sitting at, <laughs> I was, I was outside watching TV and I had taken a couple of hits of a joint. Wow. And so, so when she got home, I, I'm assuming cause she had a lot to drink or whatever she, whatever they were doing. Um, she, uh, she, she obviously was in the mood. So yeah. So it, it got a little crazy. And I was kind of like in this weird position, like, um, like, what do you mean crazy? She comes home from wedding dressing shopping and with all her friends and they obviously, you know, I guess when they try on dresses, they give you champagne or something, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what happened was the girls, they rented her a stretch limo and the whole deal and they went out for a whole day deal with lunch afterwards. And so I don't know what they were doing all day. Um, right. but she, she came, came home, home like, she... like crazy, like, uh, oh, hey, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. She, all, all charged up and crazy and whatever, you know. So what so. does she do? Does she like rip her clothes off and say, Ronnie, give it to me? No, no. She came home and then we sat down. We were sitting outside for a little while. And then, you know, we kind of like, you know, we went to bed. And once once we got in the bedroom, it was, it was. Uh, kind came of, on. It got, yeah, it came on. And right. what happened was. um because you guys get in the bed nude, and then she starts rubbing her ass against your dick, right? That's her move. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, this yeah. time she's kind of like jumped me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, be careful. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was kind of. It got crazy, and then I was in this like wacky position. It was missionary, but I was like, you know, when you do push-ups, yeah. So uh -huh. you look, you're up on your hands, yeah, and, and, and your feet, like you're you're doing a push-up basically. Right. And huh. So it was great. We had a good time and everything. And then I got up afterwards and I went in the bathroom. I turned on the light 
And I didn't even notice it. She noticed it. She goes, what the fuck happened to your eye? And the hole in the corner, it looked like, you know, when you get pink eye, you have that big red spot. Yeah. That's that's what happened. So it's not the first time it's happened to me. Uh, But this time it was like weird because I didn't know what happened. Usually I, I notice it right away. And I didn't even notice it. She noticed it. It was crazy, but. You mean you can fun. feel it when it happens or something? No, no, you don't. That's the whole thing. You don't oh, yeah, even feel baby. it. It, oh, it doesn't affect good. your eyesight. Oh, nothing man. like that. And it takes yeah. about a week to go away. Oh, and, yeah, you uh, call the doctor? No, no, I don't even call the doctor. Because I, I know wow. it, it'll, it'll go. I know it goes away eventually. I guess that's a sign of getting older. I mean, uh, in the old days, that would never happen, but. Yeah, that shit starts happening. Hey, what's yeah, going on? You know, Are you Stephanie like? better stop jumping on him. He's older. He <laughs> yeah, he can break a hip. <laughs> he can't be doing that. <laughs> I was laying in bed last night watching TV. I wasn't even you know, having the fun Ronnie was having, and uh, <laughs> like I just like like you know sometimes when you're you're sitting up in bed and like I had my left leg like 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 turned to the side. I don't know how to explain it, but. I remember then, like, I started to bring my leg back up and my hip hurt. Like, it was like crazy. Like, I was like, Jesus, I'm so out of, I'm so out of it. But yeah, Ronnie, have you stopped caring about sun protection? Cause I've never seen you this dark or red. And uh, are you now sun worshiping? What's going on? No, no, it's just, I've been, the weather's been so great here and I've been outside and, you know, in the pool or whatever in the backyard. Or you don't wear a hat? To, I do. I, I the top she of my head is sunscreen? Yeah. Yeah, 50. You put sunscreen on your face? Yeah, 50. Jesus Christ, you're beat. I mean, you're darker than Robin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you really are. He's in tan mom range. (laughs) He he really is. I've never seen you like this. You got to be careful, dude. You're very fair skinned. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I have to, you know, I use the sunscreen, man. Red like Elmo. I mean, (laughs) I'm serious. Yeah, how can we tell his eye is red? He's red. I know oh, I can't see his eye, but uh, I mean, yeah, my eye is fine now. It's totally gone. Oh, okay. All right. That was that was a week ago, so it's totally gone. It takes about five days, and it it's gone because you can pro- progressively seeing it leaving. Mm. It gets smaller and smaller. The redness, you know. When you say the sex is wild, like in other words, she was just so aggressive, like jumping on you, and uh, is that what yeah, wild well, means? Well, what happens, what happens, what, what happened this time? Well, and, and I know this is for a fact, but when she drinks a lot, she, ha- she, it takes her longer to get off, you know? Right. So I was, I was working hard. That oh. was, I think that's what the problem was. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much. But then, but then again, cause when I, when I smoke weed, it charges me up like big time, man. It's like, yeah, me too. I get this, I get this burst of energy. It's like unbelievable. So I guess that had a lot to do with it also. I don't know. Yeah, because uh, the last time I smoked weed was like 100 years ago, but I was with Beth and everyone was smoking weed. So I imbibed and boobed. And yeah, uh, it's, it, it's so different now, weed. Like before when you smoke weed, it was weed like, you know, when you when you buy it in in the dispensaries here, you go and you talk to a guy and you tell him how you want to feel. And, and they give you this, you know certain certain kind you know and it's it's great because well i went to like i remember i I remember smoking weed going back man and it was like i never wanted to do it again because i got so paranoid from it you know and then now it's like all i do is laugh and i get this burst of energy and you know it's a whole different scene 
Yeah, well, I was, I mean, this was a long time ago, but I went away with a group of people and one of our friends gave me weed and I smoked it with Beth and next thing I knew we were having sex and she claims it was like the best sex I had ever given her since or before. Like well, I it was the same story. Yeah, she I claims it, 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 I was a wild man and like I really was great and I'm like, I have no recollection of it. You don't even remember it? I, I have no recollection. She said I was sitting out. This is why I don't smoke weed. I, I hate it. it <laughs> I was sitting outside on the, on the, um, there was like a little, uh, canopy and I sat out there all night and got eaten by mosquitoes. I woke up <laughs> like I, I didn't even know where I was. <laughs> yeah. So there oh you my go. Goodness. But you don't remember your best performance. No. No, I have no idea why, and I've never matched wow. it, evidently. Yeah. I'm almost tempted to smoke weed just to give her that pure joy. Retrace your steps, yeah. The pure joy I give a woman when I'm high. It's just <laughs> remarkable, evidently. Um, hey, Ron, while I still have you here, um, what did you make of J.D. kissing Chris last week for gay pride? Uh, I could, I, you know, I talked to, I talked to somebody about that, and I, I, I can't figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out what what's going on with him, but I can't can't figure Who'd it out. Who'd you talk to? Who'd you talk I to? Talked to Bl- I talked to Blake. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking about that? Like what? Like what are you trying to figure out? I can probably help you. Uh, I'm trying to figure out. First of all, JD, I know is not. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but he's not into it. <laughs> and I'm trying gay. to figure out. I'm trying to figure out why he did it. <laughs> JD, you want to answer, or should you, you want me to explain to Jay to, to Ronnie? Because I really don't know either. But what? Because what, what, you came in and said, Someone, "Yeah, I want to show solidarity." Some, well, listen, yeah, show solidarity uh, mainly. But yeah, Chris suggested it. Uh, you know, he wrote it jokingly, but you know, I thought it was funny. So that that's basically, I thought it was you know funny, but also like you know, you know. Uh, gay people, gay people aren't really getting uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people are shitting on gay people lately, and I'm not into that. And I want to try to show, show some. Well, you know what I mean, but show some like solidarity and and stuff like that. So, want to know my thought, Ronnie? I'll tell you what's yeah, go going ahead. on. Yeah, go ahead. I think JD's fluid. I think um, <laughs> I think he's into girls primarily, but I don't think he'd be opposed to like a threesome with another guy and maybe Chris jerking him off while he was with a chick. That's what it, I. It think. was. It was weird. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, Howard. Like you're wondering I, too. Yeah, because I put the <laughs> note confused. up. I put the note up and no one bit on the note and I just figured it was dead. And it was JD who came up to me. Like he just poked his little head over the the. The, no, the partition. <laughs> no, no, no. You came up to me. I was at my computer, and you said, "I, I won't make out with you, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a pack." No, you walked by me in the hall. I didn't, JD. Yeah, you're wrong. No. You came up to me. <laughs> I'm going. Nuts. I'm going nuts. Apparently. You are. You're I in a gay exactly haze. <laughs> you're in a gay frenzy. <laughs> you're, in a, you're in a gay uh, fog. Okay. Here's a, here's you how you know me. if you're fluid, JD. Did you watch the Tonys last night? Well, yes, for work though. But that's oh, well, that's, oh, oh, okay. well, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> yes, he kissed me for work too. That's that's another thing. So oh. last night he sent me a video from the Tony Awards. Oh boy, <laughs> of, the, of them singing "Sweet Caroline," and I'm going, "What the fuck is he sending me this for?" Because he's well, singing a karaoke song, dipshit. Ever since yeah, his gay kiss, ever since his gay kiss, he's been uh, sending, uh, you know. Oh. 
video oh, of uh, that you're seeing this, from the <laughs> this is some rapid movement, you know, like yeah. from that kiss. Now he's watching the Tonys and sending what did I videos. Tell you? I watch the Tony Awards every year for <laughs> calm down, people. Yeah, I told you every, by, by dude, nighttime he would be very gay. <laughs> yeah, but dude, you, you've never sent you never sent me a video from the Tony Awards. I mean, I didn't see fucking your karaoke song there, you asshole. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, evidence is stacking up. Let's just say, but. <laughs> I was very, I was very, very touched actually by it. I thought it was very sweet. And I know I'm sure you took a lot of shit online. I saw a lot of the right people were upset about it. So I love that. And I was very charmed uh, by you, JD. I I left with very good feelings in a, in a friendship way. So thank you. uh, And I believe JD when he says, you know, I was reading an article in uh, a newspaper that was talking about how like, so many, you know, listen, gay people have always gotten shit on throughout history. They've never had a good, they've never had a good experience. And uh, things were starting to get somewhat better. Uh, gay marriage was passed. Uh, people, they even said young people are having a better view of uh, gay stuff. They're not into beating up uh, gay people and blah, 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 blah. And then a lot of these uh, real right wing assholes got on this transgender kick. Now, here, here's the facts. The transgender is maybe under 1% or something of the entire population of the United States. And, you know, they're not, listen, they're not really affecting your life. And uh, all of a sudden, they're using, everyone's all worked up about transgender, and they're using it to take away not only transgender rights, but gay rights, gay anything rights that, general, anything yeah. that isn't heterosexual, squeaky clean heterosexual. Now all of a sudden, you know, all this hysteria over Bud Light and they gave a can to a transgender. It's like, fuck you. So what cares? You don't even really care. Then they go, well, we got to protect the kids because they're going to convert all of them and to cut off their dicks. And you're like, that doesn't work that way. But anyway, uh, so JD, you, I mean, you know you're in trouble as a group when JD feels you're getting bullied and feels bad for you. <laughs> I, I mean, didn't that's realize the truth. JD was such a leader. And he, he said to himself, I'm going to show people that gay is okay. And All I know is Chris Logan. I think in history, you know, you always want to be viewed by history as being on the right side of things. And I believe J.D. will be viewed as a leader who was on the right side. (laughs) I think J.D. is the Rosa Parks of the gay movement. right now. I would agree with you. I don't know about a leader, but yeah, you know. You did a a really cool thing, man. No, really. I I know that sounds like a, it's a big deal. Okay. Yeah, Ronnie, you know me next time. Uh, I'm not imagine what we could do. <laughs> yeah, how far does this have to go to make sure I don't have that much know it's okay? I don't have a JD, neither do, do you I, know what worry. a hero you'd be if you blew Chris right now? <laughs> <laughs> so, Ronnie, what do you think of that explanation that JD empathizes with the gay plight and wanted to show solidarity? Or do you think? I think there's also a little bit of curiosity on JD's part. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I yeah. don't know. I'm tr- like I said, I'm trying to figure it out, but I, t- I think I talked to the wrong person about it. Talking to Blit about it, forget it. <laughs> yeah, Blit. What does Blit think? <laughs> uh, we had a what whole conversation say? about uh, JD at dinner. Oh, really? J- 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 he thinks JD is fluid. He's, he's given Is me- that right? 
And then yeah. He, yeah. he started saying it, and I was like, "Well, geez, maybe you're maybe you're onto something," you know. Go, yeah, think, go ahead, Blit. Let's see. I, well, I think JD is a very experimental fellow. <laughs> And I think he could see how he could gain sexual pleasure from a man. Didn't he um, kid, didn't I think he if I think JD if Chris you, I think if yeah. Chris had jerked JD off, I don't think JD would have minded. No way. Uh, I don't know. Especially, I think <laughs> he would start JD. with the. No, no, I, I, that's, no, I don't think You say, I don't know. That's already you know, sort you of You don't a, think yeah. so. No, I, no, that's I, not a definitive no. Yeah, that's I'm a real be, I'm weak no. Sound, I mean, he's, he's blushing. Look at him. I think it would start think, with a little penis. No, no, I think no, if it was no, dark, no. JD, if it was blood. dark and like Chris came over to you and said, let me just fondle your penis till you come. No, no, no. I think it, you'd let him. I think no, you would. No, no. No, 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 no. No means yes. That's the, that no is a yes from JD. Oh, no, no means yes. yes. Please, please. Yeah. In this case, no means we yes. Try to, yeah, sure. <laughs> we tried to get him to come in on the meeting when, when we were talking about it, and he wouldn't even get on with us. Yeah. Oh, wow. JD. You're kind of fluid, JD. Man or woman, come on over to the other side of town. <laughs> You'll like it here. <laughs> Penises make you horny. No. Anyway. Uh, I think he would like stubble, like if you like a little bit of stubble on his penis, like a man's face, what? like to rub your penis on nah, a man's face. Nah, come on. Face. Now you're being silly. Oh, okay. All right. He likes, his, he likes a clean shaven man. I did when I kissed did JD. Say? It was very tingly because of his beard, and I I didn't yeah. hate it. I didn't hate it. But Blake, did you second. say JD kissed you? Yes, at the Wait. at the Japanese restaurant. You kissed him. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 no, that was like an air kiss. I thought. Yeah, well, well, we made, we made that's how it I didn't starts. Know about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> JD kissed well, you too. I have a picture of where I almost kissed Ronnie. You slut. <laughs> Hold on a second. Hey, everybody, it's Tucker Carlson, the oh. guy who got fired from Fox News. Hey, Tucker. I have a question. Why <laughs> did J.D., a, a seemingly straight man, kiss Chris Wilding? I'm just asking questions. Did someone slip Bud Light into J.D.'s morning soda? No one's talking right. about these things. There you go, Tucker. <laughs> just asking questions. How's your life since Fox News? I'm not concerned about that now, Howard. What I am concerned about is when JD is going to be getting a, an apparent sex change, he'll be go from JD <laughs> to JC. JC, right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Interesting commentary. Anyway, what was uh, that I, I like Wait a minute. that. You... What was that picture? That's me. What the hell was that? Trying to kiss you. <laughs> so there's a history of this. JD kissing you, Ronnie. Trying to kiss me, you said. Yeah. It wasn't trying. He was trying, but I wasn't. Ronnie's old man. He only takes <laughs> dicks up his ass. <laughs> yeah, nothing, wrong. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that, man. All right, boys. Well, anyway, uh, happy Pride Month and uh, all that. There you go, Thank you. JD. Uh, certainly oh, a man oh. who said, "Hey, I feel bad for these people who are getting bullied, and I'm going to say something about it." So there, I think he's a hero. That's Good that's what you. I got to say. Good that's right. Taking a stand. Woo. All right. Yeah, I had a rough, uh, not a rough weekend, but I made the mistake of checking in on my mom. Oh. 
Yeah, that always goes wrong. So it was it wasn't so easy. Well, like I, I was talking to my mom and it always starts out good, but I don't know, she always makes me feel bad, you know? It winds up making you feel bad. Yeah, like I'll give you an example. I'm talking to my mom and she says to me, you know, all of my friends tell me how handsome you are. And I was like, I was like shocked, you how know. Nice. I was like, I'm, how nice. yeah, right. Yes. I go, I go, I, and, and I wasn't even clear on which I said, I said, what? So many people tell me how handsome you are. I go, so, you know, I kind of like made a joke about it. I go, mom, you got to give me these people's names and phone numbers. I've never <laughs> heard that about myself. That is fantastic. Who are these people? Everybody, you should see how many people tell me how handsome you are. I go, that's wonderful. Then all of a sudden she starts muttering to herself. She goes, geez, I, I never thought of you as handsome. Oh, boy. I never, ever considered you handsome. And I went, what? Yeah. I, I, I was like, I was good. Then I was going to rip into her and go, you know what? People who hate themselves and can't stand the way they look can't imagine anything good looking coming out of their vagina. <laughs> well, that would have been nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, I should have, I, but I bit my tongue. I just bit my tongue, which you can see it's all black and blue. I it's bit chew, my tongue yes. hard. <laughs> yeah. I was chewing on it and I just went, just shut up, Howard. Maybe then I go, Oh, she's old. She doesn't know what she's saying, but she fully knows what she's saying. I never thought, you know, everyone tells me how good looking you are. But me, I always thought of you as my little monster, like a like what the doctor said that you you look like a mongoloid. She did not of, say that. I always thought of you as well. That's her other famous story. The doctor said when he looked at you, you looked like a mongoloid. <laughs> right, Barrel? Yeah, he said. He smiles like a mongoloid. Oh, <laughs> Never was so much laughter heard in the birthing room. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the nurse. She said you look like a clump of hair with teeth. Oh, oh thank you. Mm. Like a like a horrible monster. <laughs> you know, I, I can't stand the way I look. I know I'm not good looking. Listen. I don't think there's anything attractive about me. And then, like, poor Beth is like, honey, I think you're handsome. And I'm like, yeah, right. When your mom tells you you're heinous. A normal mom, when, they, when the doctor comes in and says your son looks like a mongoloid, you go, fuck you. That's my son you're talking about. He's wonderful. She's just, she thought it was the greatest. I mean, I've been getting... J.D., you should kiss me. I've been getting goofed on my entire life. <laughs> yeah, when are you going to stand gay up people. for Howard? <laughs> <laughs> stand up for me. <sighs> gay people have a good compared to me. Oh, man. It's so crazy. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what the fuck? Was that the only thing, or did that lead to some kind of conversation, or... Did no, you just, I just did shut that down. just colored the whole thing? Yeah. No, then it, then, and then it's like... Then when she said goodbye to me, she goes, goodbye, my gorgeous son. So I'm like, well, you wait a second. 
You started out with a compliment, then you smacked me in the head, and then you—it's like an abused. What are I'm you like an abused wife. To think, yeah. Are you yeah, going to hit yeah. me again? <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. Am I gorgeous or am I uh, not handsome? Ah, uh, man. I swear, it's like she obviously is not the greatest communicator. Obviously, she <laughs> doesn't been, know how to have a conversation. My life feels like I was at a roast. Of me, my entire yeah. life. That's why I don't like yeah. to be roasted. I've had that enough. Yeah. They it's didn't funny. understand how to express their love and, and, uh, no, they didn't know how to shower me with the, and nurturing no. of you. So they just didn't know, Howard. Well, listen, when your life is so bad, you have nothing to give. That's true. Yeah. You know, and after you were born, I thought I still had my morning sickness. And it turns out it was just from looking at you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she was throwing up, except she had already given birth. Uh, <laughs> we had nothing. Nothing. We had nothing. You're lucky you have two parents. <laughs> but don't you realize that what they said you internalized and then started saying to yourself? <laughs> yeah, they sure they realize that. <laughs> no, you do you oh. realize you now say it to yourself? You say it every day. Nobody can give you a compliment before you tell us it, we're that's wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Ben when I I put the diaper accidentally around his face? Yeah. <laughs> she she told she says she's going to diaper you and it was around your mouth and face. <laughs> Tell him about when they circumcised him. Yes, I said to the rabbi, which end? Look at that nose. <laughs> <laughs> you look like elephant man. <laughs> uh... <laughs> That's right. He looked like Elephant Man, the movie. <laughs> I remember we went to the abortion clinic and you made the aborted babies look like Harry Grant. That's they could have had a stand-up routine. They could have been, you <laughs> yeah. know, the stiller and mirror of your neighborhood. Our son is so ugly. Oh, yeah? How ugly is he? <laughs> yeah, they had a million of them. Yeah, they had. Yeah, they were like Stiller or Mira. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've actually talked to uh, Ben about his, you know, Ben Stiller about his parents Stiller and Mira, and he said, you know, it was hard growing up because his parents were always on the road and stuff. I said, oh yeah, my parents stayed home and did their comedy act. Be <laughs> lucky they went on the road. I wish my parents would have got on the road and never came back. <laughs> Where are your parents, little boy? They went on the road five years ago. I haven't seen them since. <laughs> Listen, you had it good. I mean. You had meals every day on the table. That's right. We never had that. Tell them when you gave birth and you thought he was just a placenta. Yes. <laughs> I said, where is the baby? Where's Howard? 
Then I saw that nose, and I thought I gave birth to a pelican. Remember that barrel? That's right. We thought you had sex with a bird. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's get off that topic, right? That's right. Right. Maybe I'll forget. I have come to believe that parents only get you here. If anything help, happens good or, you know, and, you know, they're wonderful parents, that's a blessing. But right. they're your parents if they got you here. Yeah, you always said that. And I used to say, you know, I don't know what she's talking about. Now I, <laughs> now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'll tell you, Robin, when I gave birth to Howard, I thought the doctors were doing a candid camera and pranking me. <laughs> yeah, we were like, that's not a human baby. <laughs> I'm telling it. you. We thought his nose was the umbilical cord. Even the doctor did. He said he never saw a birth like this. Yeah. <laughs> All my friends tell me you're good. Um, meanwhile, she never gave me. I don't know who was telling her I was good looking, but I, you know, I was excited that somebody thought I was good looking. Sure. And that yeah. would have been a great conversation. Oh, my friend, this one, my friend, that one. No, right. I think you're so handsome. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm so needy for a compliment that, you know, I say to my mother, give me their name. Who? Why? You know. Oh, I'm so needy. Like I've been, um, Beth asked me to, we have a rabbit named Jessica Rabbit. And, uh -huh. uh, and Beth is in love with the rabbit. She's down there with the rabbit. She spends more time with the rabbit than she does with me. Uh -huh. And then when she comes to be with me, she's all, I, the last night I said, are you angry or something? She goes, I'm just exhausted from the rabbit and the 57 cats. I go, well, <laughs> you know, there's nothing left for me. So anyway, I, she wants me to paint a picture of the rabbit, and I'm I'm working on it. It's a cute little uh, painting of the rabbit with um, flowers on top of her head, and it's really oh. cool. And I'm working hard on it. I've been working on it for weeks. And she walked by my office, and I go, honey, come see your rabbit. She goes, I'll see it when it's done. And I went, I, and it put me in a major tailspin, like I, because I'm still that little boy that needs some kind of, like, praise or positive admiration come see my work acknowledgement yeah, tell, yes tell me i'm good tell me i'm talented my shrinks helped me get in touch with that so after i was devastated when beth just kind of shut the door on me because she's exhausted i just went okay this is the needy little boy inside of you whose mother says uh, i never thought of you as handsome or your father never said hello to you or never praised you or never paid attention to anything you did or thought you were the apple of his eye or anything. And you got to just fucking not pin that on your wife. You got to, you got to just fucking, I don't know what you got to do, but you got to know what's going on. He doesn't know what you should do, but you can't no, pin it on. He back. tells me, he told me just to feel it, just feel the intensity of my need to be looked at and admired. And then when my mom told me that, um, she never thought of me as handsome this weekend, I was just like, okay, because it felt like a gut punch. Like all of a sudden yeah. I'm like, and I'm on another, I'm on another planet. I'm out of the conversation. I'm in my head. Like they say on The Bachelor. Like all of a sudden when my mom goes, I never thought of you as handsome, oddly. I can't imagine that someone would find you handsome. You know, like that. And you know, she's muttering to herself. Who would think you're handsome? Nice, huh? So I'm sitting there. Now my head is spinning. And then I did what the psychiatrist said. I just went, okay, okay. Okay, 
And then I forgot what this guy. I went, what am I supposed <laughs> to do again? Okay, what? What? Now I go, what? <laughs> I'm supposed to feel how hungry and needy I am for a parent who says you're beautiful and how much and how handsome you are. And, and I did that, but I don't feel any better, I guess. Mom, who t- you know, that's the desperate kid of me. I'm, Mom, who told you I'm handsome? Oh, uh, you know who told me? Frankenstein's mother told me. Uh, <laughs> he happened to say it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Compared to my son, he's a, he's a prince. Uh, anyway, what are you going to do? You got to, you know, go to the psychiatrist. He helps me. Yeah, but you got to realize your parents didn't get a lot of that right. No, it I realize your that. fault. It was not your fault that they didn't know how to parent. Who and told it you I was mean handsome? Mean anything? Who told you I was handsome, Mom? Helen Keller, the nurse. Oh, <laughs> she, I didn't know she was. Handsome. She felt your face. <laughs> she said, "Not bad. He's handsome." <laughs> but she put her finger up your nose. Nah, <laughs> eh, what are you gonna do? Hey, you know. That's why the radio was good for me. I got a lot of praise on the radio from my fans. and But it's very... Well, this um, is that black hole you talk about. Yeah, to black hole. Up. Yeah, it's impossible. My mom <laughs> dug the hole deeper this well, weekend. She keeps emptying in it for you. You know, yeah. you go to see her and she takes all the good out of the black hole. Yeah, I was feeling pretty good about myself. And then <laughs> she just dug deeper. Oh. I remember when the doctor put the rectal thermometer in your mouth. And I said, no, wrong end. Really? Wow. Uh, let's go to Seth. A couple of phone calls, and then I'm going to talk about some people who died. Yes, Seth. Hey, now. Hey, uh, uh, JD, I just wanted to thank you so much. Uh, commend you for supporting the gay uh, community. And I wanted to rename you uh, D. How's that sound? JD is an ally of the gay community. Yeah, really. Should JD kiss every gay person he meets? I think that he should let me suck his dick, and that would really prove his alliance. (laughs) Mm. I mean, that's unbelievable. (laughs) All right, thank you. What do you think, Uh, JD? Seth Seth suggests Gady as the new name for JD. Okay, Ben in New York, go ahead. By the way, Andy Cohn is coming in this week on Wednesday, and he'll probably be making out with J.D. as well. You think? Yeah, for those of you who uh, like that kind of thing. (laughs) J.D., in honor of pride, will you uh, kiss Andy? No, I I did my I did my I did my solidarity a peck a peck. I did my solidarity kiss. I don't need. I'm not looking. No, that's okay. Thank you. I How like about just Andy. rub his tits? How about rubbing his tits? <laughs> Go rub his tits. He probably doesn't <laughs> okay. even want me touching him anyway, so. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I don't think he, I'm his type. I don't know whose type you are. I don't know me what either. JD's type is. Ronnie, Chris, Blit, he's kissing everybody. <laughs> anyway, Ben, what can I do for you in New York? Hey, now, um, do you ever think in a multiverse out there, your mom might have had a different type of life? Do you think she maybe thinks about it? Maybe that's where all that comes from. Like, do you think she would have if she in other words, if she didn't end up having a family, 
what do you think she would have done with herself? And do you think she ever thinks about it? Yeah, I don't know. I think my mom had broken dreams. You know, she she just had a really horrible life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I can't think of many people, aside from people who were sent to Auschwitz, uh, having a worse life than my mother did. She just. Ha- I, there are things that she's told me recently that are even more awful than what I knew. Jeez. Yeah, more awful than I knew. And maybe one day I'll tell you about it when my mom's no longer here. But right oh. now, I'll I'll keep it to myself. But she had a horrible life. I told you. Her mother died when she was nine. She had a sister. Her sister and uh, my my grandfather wanted nothing to do with them, sent them off to an orphanage. The orphanage was full, so they found some relatives to throw her in with. Never had a mother. Never had more than one pair of underwear. Never had a toy. Yeah, no. Like, I came Even to this the, realization. The, the aunt and uncle didn't buy them toys? Didn't? Uh... No one did. Not, she just, you know, she was very uncared for and unloved. And then... Ooh. Then uh, a, a stroke of good luck, my grandfather married a woman, and the woman was very... They, so she came to live back with her father, and uh, he moved them into the house with this woman, and my mother was in love with this woman. She was like, I finally have someone, a mother. And this woman was good to my mother and my, uh-huh. her sister. And uh, she had a child of her own as well, but she cared and made, made meals for my mother, took care of her, did her laundry, and you know just showed her affection... And then my, my grandfather beat her up and they, they had to get a divorce. And then my mom yeah. was like up shit's creek again. She didn't, have, she was like beside herself because her father undermined it. And then, um, I don't know, years later, as she got older, my grandfather moved her back in because he needed a maid and he basically had her cooking and cleaning. And then when she met my father, he tried to destroy the relationship because he didn't want to lose his maid. And uh, but she wow. married my father and he hated my father and my mother being married because he, now he had to do all his own cleaning and cooking. That's right. He lost his, uh, his maid. maid. Man needs a maid. And uh, and my mother, I must say to her, I don't know if it's to her credit or not, but oddly enough, she was incredibly good to her father and uh, and and made sure I had a fantastic relationship with my grandfather. She'd never say a bad word about him when he was alive uh but that's that uh, misplaced kind of thing where now you're being really super good to prove your worth yeah to this ridiculous person i know i'm always so shocked by that and i see it with a lot of people they're really good to their abuser and it's like they just want to win them over they just want a woman over and you say to them you go why are you still dealing with this Oh, it's it's the only family I have. You know, it's the only family. I go, well, fuck that family. <laughs> but anyway, that's part of the reason why I'm such a joy. And my father had it even worse. My father had a worse life than me. I, I, I sometimes I play like a game show in my head. Who, who is the queen who for a day? My worse. mother, or my yeah. father. Who had it worse? And that was the, that was that was always the the, the um, conversation around the table. It was always like. My mother and father would be eating dinner, and I'd be sitting there with them, and they'd go. And then, and then they started to open up, and they go, I had no mother, no underwear, no no, no toys. And my father would go, I had one shoe. <laughs> it, and I, I go, what? Shut up! Just listen. <laughs> I'm just imagining him walking to school with one shoe, you know? <laughs> We had to build a fire in the street to stay warm. We were evicted every month. 
My father went to work in his underwear in a sweatshop. I mean, it's like, holy fuck. I mean, one foot, one eye. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. And he blew his own eye out. I mean, I mean, I don't know who had it worse. Hey. You had one underwear. You were lucky. I ate my underwear for lunch. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I swear it was a game show. And then at the end, I'd say, hmm, who had it worse? <laughs> and then, of course, if I brought up that I had any problem, they'd go berserk. Right. Shut up. You're lucky. I'm getting beaten up in school. Shut up, big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean. At least you could see them coming. <laughs> like a, I think my father once told me a story. He was out in the street and somebody walked up with a, ba- a bat and hit him in the back of a head. Like, like, like shit like that. He goes, well, what problem do you have? Oh, God. My parents wanted me to drop out of school to support them. We ate my cousin. <laughs> what? Cousin came That's over right. and we ate him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. She was like, That's right. Uh. <laughs> uh. I, I talk to my sister about it occasionally. Not much, but. Yeah. She's was like, she at the same dinner table? Did you hear all that? <laughs> no. For some reason, she was never around. She she was smart. She just kind of went up to her room and closed her door and didn't interact mm. with those two. But she she claims my father was really kind to her. And, um, you know, so she goes, I don't remember it that way. I go, yeah, well, hey, dad was nice to you. He was he always told me that, you know, I think with girls, he, he understood to be sensitive. Well, he wasn't trying to, you know, he had this task of now he's got a boy. He's trying to make him a man. And what does he I know guess. about that? You know? I don't even think my father was trying to make me a man. I, I don't think he even cared if I became a man or not. I don't I don't think he cared. Like, whatever happened, happened. <laughs> I don't think so. We we had nothing. And you complain? <laughs> he complains all the time. I had a brother. We sold him for medical experiments. <laughs> That's nothing. We we had a ro- we had roaches and raised them for their eggs so we could eat breakfast. That's nothing. I put my own finger in a hot dog bun and ate it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's nothing. My best friend was my cousin's skeleton. That's nothing. What do you mean it's nothing? I made a doll out of my own feces because I had no toys. I traded my toes for penicillin. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just one thing after. It was one horrible story. My grandpa, everyone in our family was wiped out by the Nazis. Me too. <laughs> What'd you guys do for Thanksgiving? We ate our own burgers. Did you guys even have running water? No, we boiled our urine for water. <laughs> Did you ever have any pets or anything? A pet? My only pet was a, a bee that stung me in the face. <laughs> we had a pet rat that lived in the wall. That's nothing. I made a birthday cake for myself for my pubic hair. Oh, yeah. 
I picked off my sister's scabs and ate them for Christmas. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it goes and I remember, on and on. Oh, it just goes, I, I, <laughs> to keep warm, we would fart in each other's face. <laughs> I mean, it was like, there was no room for me. There was no joy. It was horrible. You know, I often, you know, even today when I see people who are just totally consumed <laughs> with whatever their past was and they yeah. get over it and then they have kids. I'm like, don't you realize you shouldn't have kids because you're going to be a terrible parent? Yeah. No, there was no thought. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> they do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So when like Beth walks by and, uh, you know, I go, honey, come look at the painting of the rabbit I'm making. So beautiful. And. She just walks out of the room and doesn't look. I get very, you know, but I, I know what's happening. I, I'm a very needy little hungry boy. Right. You know, that's not her saying, I don't love you. Right. It's just you being needy. Yeah. You know, she spends a lot of time with a very needy child in me. So she knows. I think all day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a bottomless pit of need. I'm not a, I'm not a. Because even on that walk, you're a mess. <laughs> Oh, I'm a mess. Because a lot of times she's on her phone during our walk, and then I'll go, honey. And then I realize, I, like, I try to tolerate her being on the phone because uh -huh. she's doing her animal rescue. And I'm like, what about me? Talk to me. <laughs> and I have to calm I'm right myself here. down. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I, I'm that hungry little boy that needs praise. <laughs> Uh, but I'm, now I'm good. I'm, I'm in touch with it. And I just I do what my psychiatrist says. I feel how hungry I am for her to get off the phone and just pay attention to me. And um, it's painful. It's not easy. I'll, I'll give you that tip. You know. But uh, are there things you can do like say, you know, hey, let's just have some me and you time. Yeah, I could say that. I say that. <laughs> Liza, I'm in the middle of talking about my parent. Liza Minnelli, everyone. I guess you're... Oh, Stan, I love you so much. Howard, I've just been listening to you talking. I have to tell you something. I think you're very handsome. I think you're very attractive. And I think Thank that you. if you're looking to gain people's approval and, and for people to look at you and be admired, I have the solution. You gotta be on Broadway. You just gotta be in a Broadway show, Howard. It's gotta make you feel so good. You know what I mean? You know, Liza, <laughs> I gotta tell you, I tried to watch the Tonys last night. Uh, I, got, I got through five minutes of it. I know you love it. I know you love Broadway and show business and you come from a show business family. I mean, your mother, my God, she was the biggest star in the world, Judy Garland. Yeah, my mama was Judy Garland. I love my mama so much. You know, my my childhood was it wasn't like yours. I had a normal childhood. It was just it was just normal. I mean, I I, I, I played the parents with my mother just like all normal children do, right? And then so, you know, so Gene so Kelly listen, was listen. My you had a bad childhood. I mean, your your mama was on pills, and you know it was tough. Oh for you. no, I, mama and I sang. We stayed all night and sang them all. We had a Oh. What would you and sing you know, with your mother? New... What would you sing with your mother? Oh, we'd sing, oh gosh, wherever we go, or whatever we do, we're gonna go through it together. Oh God, we love singing together. 
Do you ever do, uh, did you ever sing with your mama, everything's coming up roses? Everything's coming up roses. God, you have, you have remarkable pitch. Thank you. Really you. You're just incredible. <laughs> You're just missing an opportunity. You really are. I want to hear Liza. you singing the show tunes. What were the big shows at the Tonys this year? Can you explain what was, you know, I don't really want to get too into the Tonys. I'm not into it, but I, because I have you here, can you explain what they're okay. about or? First of all, the Tonys are Broadway's Super Bowl. I mean, it's, it's just the biggest day of the year ever, ever for us. It's really? like Christmas and the Super Bowl all in one. So the big winner was a musical called Kimberly Akimbo. And you see, it's about a girl named Kimberly, and the title is an anagram of her name. You know what an anagram is? They, they take the letters of your name and they, they mix them up and they, they, they spell something else. I yeah. tried getting one out of your name, and the na- the only anagram I could figure out out of Howard Stern was "hard worn set." Yeah, Who's there you go. Robin has right. Have you heard of this show, Robin? It's a show about one of those. I've heard little... the title, yeah, but I don't really well, it's know about anything. A, a young girl who has an aging disease, like she's Benjamin Buttons or something, and she's sixteen, but she looks sixty. <laughs> <laughs> and the play, they, and this was fascinating to me. The girl is 16, but she looks 60, so an old woman plays her. Like, like that's kind of... Right. Yeah, but I was she's thinking... she's inside, and she won the Tony yeah. Award. What does she sing? Does she sing about looking 60, but she's only 16? I mean, that's a, that's a horrible story. Well, she sings about what it feels like to be 16, and, and, and know that, you know, you look like you're 60. 60. It's fascinating show. It's really fun. And, you know, akimbo is a dance term. You put your hands out. It's a wonderful word to say. It just fills your mouth. Akimbo. All right, well, listen. I, I, okay. Uh, listen, I could listen to you all day. Uh, you're obviously show business royalty. You're Eliza Minnelli. You're fantastic. Um, by the way, can I say something? Minnelli. Yeah. You were the youngest person to win a Tony at 19 years old for uh, Flora the Red Menace, were you? Yes, I played a commie. It's about a, it's about communism. It's about it's, it's fabulous. I loved it. <laughs> 19, the youngest ever. And Cantor and Ebb wrote it. You know, they wrote New York, New York, and they wrote Cabaret, all the big and Chicago. All right, do but, do a number from Cabaret if you don't mind. Go ahead, and I gotta go. Good is sitting alone in your room. Come here, the music play. Life, Howard, it's a cabaret, old chum. You gotta come to the cabaret with me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got I, I got a headache. Goodbye. Oh, that was the door open. Hold on. Ow. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> you hit her in the head. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let me do a little bit of a... Oh, maybe I should take a break and then do some uh, obituaries. Take one more phone call, take a break, and then I'll do some obituaries. we got a lot of show to get to. Michael, you're on the air in New York. Hey, now. Hey, now. <clears throat> hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice changing again? <laughs> Hey, so I was watching the um, I was watching the Arnold documentary this weekend, and uh, I saw Ivan Reitman in it. It got me thinking about when you guys were writing private parts. Um, was there ever any talk about giving uh, Gary Delabicio a bigger role in the film? No, I mean Gary had enough of a role. 
We used Gary in an interesting yeah, okay. way, I thought. Like, yes. like you know, Gary was like in between segments because really, Gary, the, the part of the, the, the movie Private Parts really had happened. Re- it was my origin story. So Gary wasn't really a part of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was I was curious to uh, to ask Gary if you felt uh, a little slighted, you know, by the uh, knowing seconds he got of screen time. <laughs> no, listen, he's he's lucky just to even be here. Come on, stop it. He's happy just to be in the film, right, no, Gary? You were happy I, with your role. I, I was thrilled to be in the movie. The whole movie takes place before I even existed. So the right. fact that I got in the movie in any way was amazing. Yeah, I think actually, I forget who came up with that mechanism. It might have even been Betty Thomas, or the director, but I don't remember. But it was just kind of genius to have Gary standing there with different WAC pack members. And it was kind of a cool way to say to people, this is like where our show went. And uh, even though it was like the beginning. So I don't know. I thought it was kind of I think that movie was brilliant. I really do. And 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 I and I and I'm not saying it to pat myself on the back. I'm saying, um, again, Ivan Reitman, Betty Thomas, uh, Lenny Bloom. Those were uh, some incredible people we had working with us and and uh, and sculpting and shaping the whole thing. And I was very, very fortunate to work with some real pros. Um, I would never have I could not I could not have trusted anybody other than Betty Thomas when I was doing the acting thing. And what I mean by that, you know, I had never been in a movie before and. I would try some crazy stuff and then Betty would say to me, it's too, it, it's too over the top or, you know, take it down a notch, something like that, something gentle. And then I would, I would try different things and, and I trusted that she and Ivan would know what was right in the end, you know, that they would edit it properly and, you know. Well, just it, think of yeah, all was, the it, schlocky movies that have come out, mm-hmm. the biopics. They're just horrible. They're, yeah. they're, mundane maudlin you know cookie cutter this was a real movie ivan also rest in peace i mean uh, when arnold uh, you know says uh, ivan was uh, great to him it's not ivan's 100 percent right because arnold was an action hero which was against all odds but then ivan said i think you could be in a comedy with danny devito now you look at it and you go of course he could be but man putting uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Twins, one of the greatest comedies of all time. Only Ivan could pull that off. Only Ivan. Yeah, and- I've watched that segment, and it is brilliant what he says. Arnold, you know, indicated that he could do something more than action. And then he was talking to Danny DeVito, and he got this idea. He was like, they are funny just looking at the two of them together. It was a brilliant idea. And, uh, you know, so I think about Ivan all the time. I do because I'm so grateful to that man. He was, you know, I was up shut shits creek. The movie studio uh, hated me because I had rejected 21, something like 21 scripts. I had rejected out and I had written some of them. I just knew they weren't right. And I was not going to make a bad movie. And I thank God for my agent, Don, who said, we have to have the right over the script to reject it because if we didn't, there was the movie studio got so pissed at me for rejecting all these scripts because they had to spend money on writers. They said, we're getting Jeff Goldblum to play you. And I said, well, you can do that. It won't work. Trust me. I want to make this movie. I'm not jerking you guys around, but it's got to be the right movie. And when Ivan finally stepped in, this was years and years of not the right script. And I felt like an asshole. In one phone conversation, Ivan said to me, here's the movie. 
And I went, oh, my God, you're right. I said, please, please be the executive producer of this movie. And he said, I would love to, but you got to make a deal with our studio. I work for Paramount. And I said, oh, I'll do anything. And then, uh, and then the deal was made. What a great guy. Yeah, Ivan was a genius, and I do think that Private Parts was structured brilliantly. And thank you for recommending that Arnold documentary. He was so candid and honest, and and it was just it was just a really uh, a wonderful thing to watch. And you know, I haven't I haven't watched it yet. I've only read about it. And you you know, people have gone so nuts today with criticism. The guy is he's on there talking about his father's Nazi past. Which is a painful thing for Arnold to talk about, and what a you he know. He doesn't talk too much about that, though. He no, but the, he's the willing to. He's willing to. He's not whitewashing it. He's talking about, it. and people started putting him down for it. I mean, they're like, I don't know. It, it, it's the world has gone nuts. All right, Michael. Thank no, you. Can- yeah, I watched um, a couple of episodes. I still have to finish it, but it's really good. I used to. It used to be hard for me to watch the Arnold Schwarzenegger story before I was famous because. Um, I was like, I can't believe this guy with a funny name and an accent is conquering our country and conquering the movie industry. And I was like so jealous. I'd be like, what the fuck? He shouldn't be. He can't even speak right. I speak beautifully. (laughs) But then I got famous and I realized, you know what? I love Arnold, which I do. I love his action movies. He had the ability. You know, Sylvester Stallone came out. And I admire Sylvester for this. He he's such a healthy individual. He says, the, 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 for years, I had this intense rivalry with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I couldn't stand to be in the room with him. I didn't want to know from him. Couldn't couldn't take it. And he and vice versa. You know, we just didn't get along. And he said, you know, it was just rivalry to be the greatest action hero or something like that. And he said, honestly, Arnold is the greatest. Like he. And I know what Sylvester Stallone means in the sense that some of those movies, Rambo, Terminator, um, if you interchange the characters and everything, I mean, Sylvester Stallone is a fabulous action hero. And by the way, you could also say this about Sylvester Stallone. He wrote Rocky and he yeah. wrote Rambo. He real, but, but, you know, he was, well, he, he didn't was kind. write first blood, but he wrote all the others. He did. And, uh, that's a whole nother level. But he was very gracious. He says, yeah, Arnold's the number one action star. You know, box office, etc." And I mean, it was an amazing amount. I mean, God, when he does, um, what's the one where he goes in the jungle predator? Oh, yes. fuck. I mean, good Lord, that was great. Arnold had a knack for, for you know, Conan the Barbarian was fantastic. He had well, a it was for- this presence he had. As soon as he showed up on screen, you know that things were going to go down and yeah. he was going to take care of it. Yeah. And there was always action. It was like, you know, you didn't have to wait. What was the one where he goes to Mars? What's the name of that? Oh, Total Recall? Recall. Oh, what a fantastic movie. I got to go back and watch like Commando. What about How Good Was True Lies? Oh, excellent. That's the best. If he'd only done Terminator 1 and 2, he would have been. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then he becomes governor of California, which is even more insane. I mean, my God. 
<laughs> but the comedies, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, they were great, too. Yeah, great. Uh, Ralph. Hey, Ralph. What's up? Hey, now. Hey, you know, <clears throat> thinking about this remark that Beth made about your painting and what, what did she say? I'll look at it later. I mean... I don't oh, she was in the middle of stuff. I'm, I'm saying it's my neediness. It's nah, perfectly yeah, reasonable no. that my wife would be busy. Okay, but you know she knows how hard you work. She can't give you a little encouragement, and she asked. No, you don't don't fuck. criticize her. No, no, we can't cri- She's living with a neurotic, needy child. She's got yeah, to yeah. have some breathing time. Stop it. Yeah, it must be exhausting. I'm nuts. It's exhausting being with me. That wasn't the you point don't know of the how, story. He's not talking about all the attention she does give him. Yeah, because she's true. always helping him change his mood, uh, uh, look at the bright side of things, yeah. trying to. She's anyway. exhausted. Yeah, she's she actually. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm wrong. She is the saint. No, yeah, I mean, I'm giving you an example of where right. she, you know, she couldn't look at my painting, but she, she drew the goes, line. Yeah, this goes on all day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. no. In yeah. fact, this week she's. Uh, She's going into the city to be with a friend. Uh-oh. And I'm all upset. Yeah, exactly. Uh-oh, you, right. What are you going to do for now? I don't know. I'm all upset about it. I mean, and I'm trying. I'm like, oh, honey, go have a good time. Also, I told her, she's got to be so fucking careful. She's going into the city. I said, my daughter's getting married very soon, and we can't get COVID. So she better not get COVID, because then we can't go to the wedding. And if I can't go to the wedding, my daughter will have a conniption. And I'll she's have just going into the city for a day, right? She's not going to No, stay. she's do, but yeah, she's doing some um, activities. Uh, is, is it an overnighter? Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Mm. I don't do well on my own. <laughs> but I think she's excited because I think she needs to get away from me. Who will be taking care of you? It's almost you, like you have you to leave somebody to take oh. care of you. Well, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> you need a babysitter. I'll keep myself busy. That <laughs> needs to get you a babysitter. <laughs> no, I do. I have people here who watch me. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't leave me alone. You know what I mean? Like she makes sure there's right a couple of people. It's like a dog sitter. They bring like me. a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure By the way, I'm uh, seeing Ralph. 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 <laughs> I'm seeing He's Ralph this week. one of the people she, she brought into action. <laughs> no, Ralph's coming, in, Ralph's coming in later in the week, and um, we're doing the final fitting for my tuxedo oh, and, my, okay. and my suit for my daughter's uh, wedding. And Who is making your tuxedo? The one and only. The one and only. Ralph. John Barbados? Of course. John Barbados. Okay. That's when what I, I thought. I was wondering. Well, who else would be making my suit? I'm a big fan of John Fistergash. <laughs> Who's making my suit? Willie Fistergash. <laughs> Willie Fistergash. Should be an interesting wedding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the entire crotch is cut out, so my genitals will be sticking out. <laughs> Just make something horrible for your daughter. Now, yeah. you're going to look very handsome. Well, Beth mm. bought this dress for the wedding, and then, like, I told her, she, she, there's no way she can wear it. It was too sexy. It was like, you what? could see her cleavage, and then, like, there was a little cutout for her belly, and I was like, you can't wear it. She goes, it's such a cute dress, and I go, nah. Was that for the dinner or for the wedding? No, for the wedding. Mm. Yeah, maybe no belly at the wedding. Yeah, exactly. So she, she got it. Mm. 
She knows what to do. Yeah, she always looks great. Yeah, but I, I got to look great in my suit. So what are we going to do? I'm going to try. I'm doing what? A final fitting? And then. Yes, uh, and shirts and uh, accessories. Super bond. Accessories, yeah, well, Robin. You got, accessories. You, you got to move quick on it because uh, I got like a Bro. window. I'm a busy man. I got I know, meetings. I we uh, go quick. We go quick. quick. Last time we were quick, right? Boom, boom, boom. I got to tell you, when I'm trying on clothes, I want to fucking you. kill myself. I just hate it. I know. It's tough. It's it's, oh. it's tough to deal with somebody like that who hates it, and you're just like, ugh. So, I just, I'll yeah. do anything to get out of it. I'm like, please, just, you know, even if it doesn't fit, I don't care. Just, I just hold don't it wanna... up against me. Yeah. <laughs> and Ralph has this thing where he likes to tug on my shirt and, like, you know, like he likes to feel fabric and pull down. And I go, Lee, get your hands off me. Well, you a love good it. fitting. I don't know if Ralph even knows what he's doing. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I sometimes go, Robin, I think know, he wants, to, exactly. Yourself. I see him, like, tugging on things, and I go, <laughs> he sees, like, tailors and things doing that, so he starts tugging on you things. You know, I, I, I think you've looked pretty good uh, in my styling, so I, I would tell you to fuck off, too. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, on, hey, so then, like, it. I'm going to try the suit on, and then... What do you got to take it for like a final thing again? No, no, no. Hopefully it's Whoa. all it's, it's all done oh. and we're just oh, going to leave it and just leave nice. you everything and uh yeah. Awesome. And that's awesome. It. But awesome. if there's something has to be done then we got to do it, but uh I don't well. know, I don't think uh anything else. I, you should have made me a suit out of pajamas. My daughter's getting married like it's late at night and I'm <laughs> like I could have done that. I'm like, "Honey, I'm telling you as your father, I'm not going to be able to stay awake." She goes, you I better stay awake and you better suck it up. And I was like, well, okay, I'll do it. I could whip something up like that, like a silk uh, suit that you can switch <laughs> into. Silk, silk outfit. Jammies. Yeah. Jammies and robe. <laughs> cool. By the way, uh, well, anyway, okay, Ralphie boy, right. thanks. Thank you. That's Ralph, everyone. Everyone loves Ralph. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of people wrote Ralph. me they thought that Ralph was jealous that... When uh, Chris and JD were kissing, oh really? You know how Ralph called in and went, uh, "Hey, this is sucky. You guys have to use tongue." And then, like he almost yeah. de he almost derailed the whole bit by pushing JD too hard. I'll stop. I think Ralph's in love with Chris and wants him. Listen, I, I I I don't. I mean, you know, I would make I a move on him if I did. And uh, I don't think JD is gay at all. There's nothing to indicate gayness on his part, except you know him doing a silly little thing. I think he's open to something. I'm not sure what it is. I don't you know. think just a kiss is open to something? I just know. What I, are the I indicators? Chris, at I think Chris. I think Chris is an exceptional talent. Great guy. Really adore him, but. I'm kissing him. <laughs> you know but what I mean? What if it, I thought it, your arms looked you good know. today, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, in that case, I, come here. I'll give you a little peck. I yeah. I'll, blow you, a, I'll blow you, Chris, but I'm not going to kiss you. Yeah, that's fine. What is it if okay. it's a life or death situation? If this kiss doesn't uh, well, go that's down. Different. That's different. Okay, I mean, so you're kissing Chris. <laughs> you don't want to lose that. You don't want to lose that Doctor Now character that he does so well. What's your problem? You don't want to kiss a man. You know what's funny, Chris? It's crazy. My, my, my brother-in-law was over and he goes, "Oh, my favorite is when Chris does Doctor Now." And I go, "Yeah, oh. I, yeah, I, I don't want to lose that. That's good." You know, there might be something though to this Ralph. No, because I hung out with Ralph on the weekend and we've been there in a might weird be something patch. To what? To what? There might be something to you being 
jealous of the JD thing and wanting to be with me. And I never thought that before. Oh, my God. You're so... But you so, said you're, you're something to me over the weekend. Then. I could stop hanging what out did, with you and do what did Ralph? What did Ralph you, say you, over the weekend? He said one of the reasons why he was upset with me, and there was a long list, but one of the reasons was, <laughs> and I stand to God, God I, don't I don't invite him over to watch movies at my house. Uh-oh, Ralph hung up. Oh, he no. He did? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Very well, sensitive. Okay. Very <laughs> oh, I sensitive. Didn't know, I didn't know it was that big a deal that he didn't watch movies at my house. Wow. I thought he he was wants to watch goofy. movies at your house? Yeah, well, no. I mean, you you know, I got a new TV a while back, and I was talking to him about it, and he goes, oh, ha, ha, you should invite me over. And But, I mean, Ralph never invites me over to his house. Right. I've so why should you invite him? Right. And Ralph's been over once, and, you know, he's Ralph. So right. I didn't think he was serious, but I think he was evidently, he's very sensitive about it. I, wow. You know, you two yeah. have a very strange friendship we because do. he's always complaining about it. Like he's got yeah, a oh, list of things <laughs> you do wrong. Well, you're telling us he's got grievances yeah. and he's laying them out for you. I didn't know. He's in love with I, you. you know, he doesn't know it though. He's you know he's a straight man, but yeah. he doesn't know he might be in love with you. <laughs> Ralph. Yeah, it's like we we talk a lot and we had stopped talking as much. And I just thought I was busy with Miami, and then I was somewhere else, and I just so I was trying to get back in touch with him, and I think he was really upset with me. And yeah. I feel really bad about that because I really like Ralph. I didn't, you know, I really had no indication I was doing things to hurt him in that way, especially not inviting him over to watch like Batman. Well, right. this is a relationship <laughs> that comes with conditions. Like what friendships come with these conditions that you have to see me a certain amount. You have to invite me and da 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 Love relationships. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chris, they, your boyfriend Ralph hung up on a, us. I feel so bad. We'll I know. didn't know it was that. And the serious. other thing Ralph does always is threaten never to talk to you again. Always, yeah. whenever yeah, he's upset very, with you. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. I'm not hanging around with you quick. anymore. And then he can't. Then he can't quit you. <laughs> then he. Then he's back. He's, he's, he's dumped you like 50 times, and then he's back. <laughs> He really has. Hey. We've broken up more than I think any other person like I've been with, even romantically. <laughs> right. You've yeah. broken up like a handful of times. It's so true. Yeah. Well, that's how it goes. Hey, I got to do a couple of obituaries. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I do want to thank we take first. A break. No, I'm going to do it now. Oh, okay. thanks to Max. Max offers blockbuster movies, original series, family favorites. Plans start at $9.99 a month. Just go to Max.com, the one to watch. Thank you. Thank you. Subscription oh. required. Visit Max.com. I have Max, and I enjoy it. I like now, Max, yes. I'm now watching Idol, and uh, boy. Oh, how is I, that? I've read the little, you know, thumbnail, but I didn't know whether to go for it or not. I can't tell you whether to go for it or not. I'm busy watching Johnny Depp's daughter be almost completely nude in this thing. <laughs> so you can't tell if it's good. <laughs> yeah. Ask Beth. She'll know if it's good or not. <laughs> I'm sure what the fuck is going on, but uh, I, that kid's naked. Um, good looking, too. I think about uh, Scott Weiland a lot. I really do. The lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots, uh, rest in peace. I uh, 
Uh, what a charismatic dude. We had him on the show a bunch of times. I, and I used to go to Stone Temple Pilot uh, concerts and see him perform. And fabulous band. And uh, I would go and i think, geez, he's got it all. He's fucking good looking. He can sing like an angel. Thin he can write. Thin you know, is a no pin. Yeah, he had no weight problems. <laughs> yeah, like Mick Jagger thin. And uh, great style sense. And, you know, you look at certain people and you go, they just have that quality that you want. You know, they're like Superman. And, uh... And the, and, and the guy completely destroyed his life, you know, with, with heroin addiction. In fact, this song, Vaseline, which, by the way, the drummer, Eric Kretz, said that Scott wrote the lyrics in 20 minutes. That um, Vaseline is about being a heroin addict, getting himself stuck in the same situation over and over again. Flies in the Vaseline. He was lying to his wife. He was lying to the band. And he wrote Vaseline saying, I'm flies in the Vaseline. getting stuck here all the time. He said, heroin addiction is like um, feeling like an insect under a magnifying glass. And, and the other, here's how brilliant Scott was. When he was a kid, you know the Eagles song, Life in the Fast Lane? When they would say life in the past, like, he thought they were saying flies in the Vaseline, which is how wow. he got the lyric. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. What a talented guy. 20 minutes came up with all the lyrics. Flies in the Vaseline. We are so, live in the fast lane. Let me see. How did he get to fly? He must have been high back then. Flies in the live in well, the Well, you know, when the, the guitars and all of that are going, you know, sometimes yeah. you don't know what people are singing. So and he was great. a little kid, and it became flies in the Vaseline. What a great... What, I mean, my God, that guy was so talented. Marianne from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hmm? No Marianne. Oddly enough, no. Where is she? Marianne! Oh! <laughs> my husband has a new suit on, and he's going to his work today. Where's he going? Here I am. To work, to work. Usually he leaves very early. He's running behind. I'm sorry, but he does look handsome. Anyway, Howard, um, I went to, I was invited to Ronnie's mom, Angela Muto's memorial yesterday, and it was the most amazing thing I ever went to in my life. It was, they paid such an amazing tribute. The first word that came to mind was kindness about her. She embraced everybody. Do you know that Jim Gaffnan, a comedian, he lived with her for quite a while. She opened her home to him, and she he was the last one to speak. They played some of the clips from um, the show. They played when she was Ronnie's mom. And they also played, which I didn't realize, she was Jeff the Drunk Sister when you had that contest. So she had a big history with the show. And it was amazing, Howard. I cried. I laughed. I I was so happy. Like, the show gave me so many memories and places to be. It, it was incredible. Angela, Angela, what Marianne is talking about, because, you know, Marianne's not big on setups. She goes, she dives right in. Angela Mudo was a woman who, if you remember, uh, used to play Ronnie's mom. She was funny yes. as fuck. And she'd come in dressed with, like, her fucking big tits, like, flying around in her nightgown. It was hysterical. In a, in a house coat. Yeah, yeah she was In great. a house coat. 
And she uh, died, what, what, I guess, about a year ago, maybe? I don't even, even remember. No, no. Not even. About yeah. six months ago, yeah, but they didn't. Yeah. They did the memorial now. I also went up at Halloween when the show did a Halloween tribute to uh, Richard I'll Christie. give you a clip of uh, Ronnie's mom when she did it. This was the first time she called in as Ronnie's mom. You heard your parents fucking what, another woman, yeah. and you jerked off. Okay, but I wasn't jerking off to my mother. Well, yes, I was jerking were. off to yeah, the situation. Of your mother so getting fucked. the situation. I don't know who was getting fucked. Somebody was getting fucked in the ass, I think. Oh, your mom's on the phone. Hold on a second. <laughs> hi, uh, Mrs. Mund. Hi. Yeah, hi. This is everybody's mother. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> Wait, what is that, ma'am? Yeah, what's wrong with fucking your mother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck. Uh, Ronnie, I want you to fuck your mother's ass tree. <laughs> punch my clip. This is your mom. She's all sexed up. Yeah, well. Yeah, she's like, punch hey, me listen, in my she clip. Can, she she's like amazing. She, she can do whatever she wants And you were now. into threesomes, right, Mrs. Mund? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that dick. Well, uh, Angela, God rest her soul, she's uh, screaming the word cunt in heaven right now as <laughs> Ronnie's mom. Thanks, Marianne. Thank you it for remembering It was amazing. Her. Can I tell you one more thing today? Can I say mm. I had a busy weekend? Do you want to hear it or no? Mm. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Is that high? Be that. High pitch, Eric. High, I had a busy uh, weekend. High pitch, Eric, in North Toronto. Okay. All right. Yeah, I know all about it. Oh, dear. All right. Okay. I mean, hate to hear high pitch Eric and North Shore animal. <laughs> yeah, thing. yeah. I'm trying to <laughs> try not to put those two together. Anyway, uh, just one more thing before I get to these obituaries, too. Um, there was an article that ran on uh, May 29th. I never brought it up, but this is how crazy our country is getting, you know. Trump's running around saying the election was fixed and, you know, and then they went to court 27 times and there was no evidence of the election being fixed. And all. yeah, we all know that. So when American Idol was happening. Fans were screaming that the election of uh, the whoever was voted on by the audience as the winner, Ian Tongi, uh -huh. they're claiming the country guy who came in third was the true winner and that it was fixed. So now Who's every election is American Idol. <laughs> that's what it's what I'm talking about. Encore American Idol's Colin Stauff is to return to ABC after fans insist country singer is the real winner of season 21. In other words, they have no evidence that American Idol fixed the election of Ian Tongi, but they're convinced. That somehow there was subterfuge in the election of Ian Tongi as the American Idol. This is what I mean. This it's get. You see, the whole country's gone insane. Colin will be on live with Kelly and Mark on Tuesday for an encore performance after being eliminated from Idol. The uh. country singer lost to Ian Tongi and Megan Danielle in season twenty-one. Fans are thrilled to see him perform again after many felt he was robbed of victory in the finale. Fans have been defending Colin, claiming he's the true winner of American Idol since the show came to an end. Well, first of all, the kid didn't deserve to win. I'm a judge, a former judge on America's Got Talent, so I have some credibility in this area. Number one, he really wasn't that great. Megan Danielle was better. Ian Tongi, he kind of fell off at the end, but uh, the real winner should have been this girl. What was her name? Can't even remember. It was a um, a young black woman with a giant afro. 
and I don't know her name, but she was the best singer on there. I can't think of her name. Too bad I would give her a plug. So if anybody got robbed, it wasn't this country kid. He wasn't. He, he he was not that good. In fact, there was another guy who was better than. Him, but to, to now claim the American Idol vote was fixed, I see no evidence of that. Although Rudy Giuliani is saying he is going to go to trial over this. That's what he's claiming. He has proof. He has proof. He swears it, and he's going to have a press conference outside the Four Seasons. <laughs> When I run uh, as president, I'm going to make American Idol great again. Awayani is the woman's name. Thank you for that. Wayani. That's who should have won. She was really good. But, you know, like I say, it doesn't even matter who wins American Idol because, yes, Kelly Clarkson had a career of, of course, uh, you know, you can name a couple of people who've had careers from the show, but. Let's face it, for the most part, you got to go out and write songs. You got to be like a Sheryl Crow where, you you know, you, for years you're a backup singer and you have your own bands and you write. You know what I mean? You get There's got to be a struggle. You got to no, write. There are singer-songwriters, Howard, but there are plenty of people who make their living just singing other people's songs. Yeah, years ago there was Linda Ronstadt. Um, Whitney Houston would do that. Even, uh, you know. Rihanna sings Sia songs. I mean, yes, there are people who sing other people's songs, but I don't know what Elvis I'm saying. Elvis didn't write anything. No, Elvis, yeah. Elvis, was, Elvis was a crook. <laughs> the black man wrote those songs. He right? was the first American Idol. He didn't write a thing. He didn't write a thing. The black man wrote those <laughs> he, he songs. He could hardly sign his name. I know. He was a complete idiot. He really was an idiot. Colonel Tom took 50%. That's what an imbecile Elvis was. Elvis was a real moron. Let's be honest. When when he wanted to quit uh, Colonel Tom, Colonel Tom said, you owe me money. Yeah. He was doing all the work. Excuse me, Colonel Tom. What do you mean I owe you money? Yeah, that was great. I saw that, I saw that clip of the movie. I never watched the Elvis movie because... Uh, that kid who played Elvis disturbed me by going around being Elvis <laughs> after the movie ended. But, uh, yeah, Colonel Tom was a piece of work. You can't leave me, Elvis. You owe me money. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll, I'll continue to be with you. Anyway, people are now claiming that the vote on America... Who's fixing the vote on American Idol? I mean, Who are these people? They should be rounded up. That's This is what yeah. they're wasting their time on? Yeah. I'm so angry with uh, this Ozempic. You know, there's a lot of people losing weight now. Like Oprah is pin thin. And I'm looking at this and I know she's, she, I mean, I don't know anything, but I feel that she must have done it with Ozempic. It's a diabetes drug that people are now taking. A lot of people are taking to lose weight and they're thin. And, you know, losing weight was something I could always brag that I could do. I could control my weight. <laughs> was the one fucking thing I had. And even my father would say to me, all these fatsos, they can't stop eating. They should just, they should put a belt around their mouth. <laughs> like he would yell and lecture about losing weight. And it was kind of a thing of pride with me that I could be thin and, you know, control my appetite. 
Now, and my father would even say to me when I was a boy, he'd go, these people are waiting for a pill you could take so you could lose weight. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Guess what, well, Dad? It was wrong again. It was wrong again. <laughs> it happened. They're taking this Ozempic and they're thin as hell. Or as the kids say, thin as fuck. I'm telling you, it's crazy. But I'm so mad at this Ozempic because you start to see certain. And now, you know, like I was seeing uh, from Beverly Hills Housewives, Erica Jane is pin thin. And I, I'm not oh, saying really? she used Ozempic. I don't know. But I'm sure. She, I mean, in my mind, she did. Comedians are now thin. Everyone. The magic Everyone's pill got is a here. Waist. <laughs> People who never had a waist before have waists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, President Trump, hi. Hello, Howard. I got to say, forget about uh, you forget about me. This this witch hunt against me is nothing. This scandal with American Idol is the real story here. Nancy <laughs> Pelosi, you know, she's behind it. That bitch. I tell you what, it's amazing. How do you feel about uh, tomorrow? You got to appear in court, for Christ's sake. Well, you know what? They're off. They're all out to get me, Howard. They're all out to get me. I don't know what to tell you. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting, but of course I'll get away with it and I'll run again and I'll probably win. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably darn right. I know I'm right. Yeah, I saw, I've done uh, nothing wrong, nothing ever. Okay, never. You've never done anything. Wrong. But you did have the records, you know, those documents in your house. My whole life is perfect, Robin, okay? Okay, <laughs> nothing is going on here. Absolutely nothing. It's all a sham. They're all out to get me, the fake news media, including you, probably. <laughs> Robin is uh, behind it. All right, I'm thanks. Uh, I, I do want to get to these obituaries. You know? I do. First, I got to start with... Uh, Look, you know, when someone dies, you kind of want to say something nice, but I can't say a fucking good word about Pat Robertson. What an awful man. I wonder uh, what your take was going to be on that. When I saw that, I was I mean, like, whoa, how is Howard going to handle this? You're not, not going to find one good thing to say? I'm struggling, man. I'm trying to find <laughs> something good to say about this fucking guy. But boy, oh boy, was he just a monstrous animal filled with hate and filth. I mean, uh, you know, Baptist minister, uh, conservative uh, Christian broadcaster, Pat Robertson. So he was 93, he died. And he presented himself as a man of God. But just said such hateful and insane things on his TV show, The 700 Club. I mean, uh, I mean, crazy thing. And you know what? Look. You have your beliefs, but I mean, but also crazy shit. And, uh, it is one of those guys who made a tremendous amount of money getting old ladies to pledge 10 bucks a month to keep the 700. I still, I don't even know why it's called 700 club. I'm sure it's a religious reference. I don't know. Uh, but the guy just went on and on. I was reading his obituary in the New York Times. I mean, you just saw a guy who was just vicious in terms of his. You know, like like he would he would go on TV and say, well, the reason there was a hurricane is because Haitians made a deal with the devil. And then he go the re you know, for, like taking natural occurrences and then turning them around to become religious, you know, we put meaning behind them, what God was up to and, and regularly telling people he spoke to God. 
Well, God told him to run for president and he lost. You know, he had to get out of the race because he got no support. So I always wondered about that one. At one point, his show, uh, his show, his books and videos were bringing in more than $300 million a year. God bless. Amazing. Here's a, uh, Amazing. So here's a montage of some of the fucking wacky shit he used to say. What is this mac and cheese? Is that a black thing? Can demonic spirits attach themselves to, to uh, inanimate objects? The answer is yes. Satan is real. Demonic power is real. Demon possession is real. You might get AIDS in Kenya. The people have AIDS. You got to be careful. I mean, the towels could have AIDS. Something happened a long time ago in Haiti. They got together and swore a pact to the devil. They said, we will serve you if you'll get us free from the French. It will be the second half somehow of 2007. There will be some very serious terrorist attacks, mass killing, possibly millions of people. The only thing that will fulfill what the word of Jesus that I'm going to give you in a minute is is some kind of an asteroid strike on the on the globe. I do think the Earth is is hurtling toward some final conclusion. We all feel that. Oh, it did for him. We uh, all feel that. Yeah, we all. This is we. There's this like he um, like he he'd wait for a real big tragedy like nine eleven and rub his hands together and go. Um, yeah, he goes. You know, nine eleven. Uh, feminism led women to witchcraft and uh, lesbian equality and abortion and then you know and then it would be like oh that's why we were punished with 9-11 you know like like equating a, a terrible tragedy with his view of the world and you know like homosexuality destroys entire civilizations and that's why you know, you know like like uh, come on man you don't know anything you know lee i'm a little sad to see this great nation of ours go the way that it is we're going to have a month to celebrate gay lesbian transgender pride month somebody's proud of being transgendered yeah it's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of our population. One to two percent uh, has this particular orientation, yet they dominate, dominate the news. It's just simply amazing. But, um, you know, any country that openly embraces homosexuality through the history of mankind has gone down into ruin. That's that's history. That's the historical record. Whatever a nation embraces this so-called lifestyle, uh, it ends up in the garbage heap of history. So Even, uh, let's watch what happens. Even J.D. has become a homosexual. Now, you know, you can say what you want, Robin, but uh, <laughs> J.D. and Chris Wilding kissed last week and... Did you read about the bridge that collapsed in Philadelphia right after? That was their fault? Every time a dick touches a butthole, someone <laughs> gets struck by lightning in this country. I don't know if you realize, but that's fact. That's fact. You can look it up. That lightning has hit everyone who's uh, uh, put his penis inside a man's ass. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, you can sit there and giggle with that little charming giggle, but that's the truth. Uh... All right, Pat. I am telling you, I never thought I'd see the day where, uh, you know, the, this rock band village people was the reason we were attacked on 9-11. Now, you can sit there and nod your head and knack them, roll your eyes. Go ahead, woman. I don't even think they were that popular around 9-11. Village people were very popular with certain. <laughs> uh, now, now, I'll give you another example. Uh, 
Did you see last week on this show, J.D. and Chris had a smooch? Yes. And and did you notice that the skies over Manhattan turned red? <laughs> now, go ahead and laugh all you want, but this is what God is doing to us. Our skies were red because of this sinful kiss between two men, J.D. Harmeyer. And Chris Wilding. And how do you know that? How do you know that? Because it says it in the Bible. <laughs> now, uh, that's a fact. <laughs> and I tell you this, and I hope they're listening. J.D. and Chris, you will have plenty of time to smooch when you're burning in hell for all eternity. And believe me, these uh, Canadian farmers were started by gay, I mean, these Canadian fires were started by gay Canadian farmers uh, rubbing their penises together in the woods as they do. <laughs> and and, and uh, I, I looked up at the sky over Manhattan, and do you know the smoke cloud was in the shape of a giant penis? <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I will miss doing my impression of Pat. Yes, uh, yes, there won't be any more quotes like that. Yeah. Remember when I called that uh, ultra conservative religious talk show using uh, the drops of me as Pastor Paul, and they agreed with all of my anti-gay views. <laughs> here, let's. Uh, here, here's something positive. My Pat Robertson impression. Okay. I want to say to uh, you, dear Jesus. Yeah, here's a little clip. I want to say to you, dear Jesus, cast out the homosexual demons and you know who else. Yeah, the homosexual need to be sent back to the, the pits of hell where they came from. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. May God cast any man in skinny jeans straight down to the pit of hell. The pits of hell. To the devil. In the name of Jesus, cast out Andy Cohn, the Antichrist. God. Bless. In charge of the Bravo Network, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Praise God. Got me excited there, Pastor Paul. Yes. Ooga booga. And thank you for Jesus. Gays love to blow each other in cars. Like a dog. If only a tree could drop on these two men. Oh, hallelujah. Who stick their penises and balls in each other's mouth. Hallelujah. Please, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We, we certainly appreciate that. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I was Boy. a hit on that show. Yeah, spewing hate, you were a hit. <laughs> I was a huge hit. Like, like my Pat Robertson impression. Uh, New York is overrun with Jews and homosexuals. And of course, it's going to be covered in evil smoke from the devil. Why should that shock you? It's about time New York was covered in smoke. You know, uh, I saw that uh, this volcano erupted. And I said, of course it did. It looks like a gaping gay bunghole. <laughs> and the lava is the ass juice. And that's God telling us something. Very gay. People say, uh, Pat, why, why, why the war in Ukraine? Well, 
That was uh, because of Hunter Schaefer's nude scenes in Euphoria. You know that, Robin. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus told me that. Thank God we uh, struck down that Roe v. Wade or all of you would be in a Noah's Ark situation right now. You'd be floating on some water. People blame How guns. many of his uh, pr- uh, predictions never came to pass? And yet oh, that's people were sending $300 million in donations every year? That's right. Everyone uh, blames guns. All the time, anti-gun this, anti-gun that. Well, everyone knows Sandy Hook was caused by season three of Glee. One and two was bad enough. By season three, God had had it. God had had it with that show. I tell you, it's terrible. Anyway, Pat Robertson is gone, and I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty <clears throat> of people to step up and take his place, Howard. So he didn't yeah. leave a hold. It will continue. I think there's like a son, like a Pat Robertson Jr. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he tries to sound like his dad. That's right. I should have taken over. I could have made a bundle. like his dad. In the name of Jesus, COVID-19 was the work of gay Jewish Chinese bats. Bats. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, well, anyway, I saw he died and he did a lot of... uh, I got a montage of Pat's end of days predictions if you want to hear those. As long as we're remembering. Well, I'd give it 1982, but date setting is dangerous. I'd say within the next couple of years, we're going to see a war there. The next major war to be fought in the world is going to be right here. This is the place where God and and, and Satan are going to on a square off. It's in Jerusalem. That's the city. And uh, that's where the forces are going to collide because that's the way God wants it. It'll be the second half somehow of 2007. There will be some very serious terrorist attacks. That'll, that'll be a mass killing, possibly millions of people. The clock is down to um, 11.59. I, I think that things are getting ready to wrap up. I do think the earth is, is hurtling toward some final conclusion. We all feel that. Yeah, it was a constant, always the earth was in. You better send yeah. money real quick. Yeah. Always the well, end of day. What are you going to do with money when the world is over? People uh, people always sent him money as soon as the world was ending. It seemed to be a big fundraising event. I mean, you know, I don't want to really uh, dwell on it. The guy died. I know, every, you know, when someone dies, everybody cleans up, you know. Oh, come on. You should feel bad and all that. But he got know. Ronald Reagan elected. That's the like the big deal. He, yeah. he was a there you go. Big Ronald Reagan guy. Big Ronald Reagan. And I'm sure Ronald Reagan would be thrilled the way things are going. Uh, the other guy who died, frequent guest on our show, the Iron Sheik. Yes. Pro wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, the Iron Sheik died last week at age 81. Jesus Christ. He would come on our show and scream. I mean, he screamed everywhere. We, he was a guest on our show eight times. Did you know that? No, I didn't realize yeah. it was that many. He would scream at anyone. Like we would. We would like even like call in as people who clear like we we just call in as Hulk Hogan like just go hey hey Iron Sheik it's Hulk Hogan and then he just go fucking erupt it was unbelievable I mean he really frothed at the mouth it was genuine it didn't even matter uh, 
Here's a montage of Iron Sheik on our show yelling at various people on the show. Fuck you, Hulk Hogan! I'm gonna fuck your ass up! Hulk Hogan, you son of a bitch! Fuck you! No, 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 you no, only no. sent for me $25 no, no, no. each time! What the money. fuck I can do with $25? No, I'm fuck $25. He's a dumb Jew, son of a bitch! When you I don't wanna fuck him with my dick! I wanna fuck him with a beer bottle, bitch! Cunt! I'm a legend! Before that jabroni! And I put my talent cock in your fucking ass! Called Hulk Hogan wow. a, a filthy Jew. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't think he's Jewish, but is, is Hulk Hogan Jewish? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows these days? <laughs> the Sheik would frequently boast about his ten-inch cock. Sheik had an impressive wrestling background before he started wrestling in America. Like he had a legit wrestling career. Like not yeah. you know not the not the performance wrestling the he phony wrestling yeah uh, yeah you know the make-believe wrestling i mean he was unbelievable <laughs> he represented iran in wrestling at the 1968 olympics and even served as a bodyguard to the shah the shah of iran and then um and then he came to the u.s and he was a villain you know in the wrestling matches yes and uh that was around the time vince mcmahon took over the world wrestling federation he really made iron sheik a big star uh, Vince had, you know, 52 American diplomats were taken hostage in Iran. And Vince capitalized on uh, America's hatred of Iran and made Sheik the perfect bad guy. Like, he, even his bad guy, he even had bad guy music. Like, it was, uh, this was the music he'd walk into the stadium. Kind of good. It's almost like a Metallica vibe mixed in with Middle Eastern influences. Nice. Sheik left Iran. Became um, uh, I don't know. It was yeah, you, know, you know, the whole political environment and everything. But anyway, he um, he even won. He beat he beat the American champion Bob Backlund to take the championship in 1983. But when you take the championship, I think Vince gives it to you, right? Of course. Uh, uh, a month after winning the championship, Sheik wrestled the all-American up-and-comer Hulk Hogan. They, the hype around the match helped launch Hulkamania and contributed to pro wrestling's growing popularity. Three years after the Hulk Hogan fight, Sheik got arrested for drunk driving and doing drugs with his rival, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> Who would have expected those two to be together? <laughs> right. Sheik was let go from the WWF and only sporadically returned over the next couple of years. The one thing that continued was Sheik's drug use. It got so bad that Sheik would set up tables in airport hotel lobbies trying to sell autographs to subsidize his drug habit. Oh. He, he told me about his crack use when he came on the show in 2007. He was very honest about stuff, which, of course, we love. That makes me very be hyper. That gives me a lot of power. That way, I never was tired. I never missed the show. I never give up. And any time I want to beat the fuck out of somebody, I was ready to do it. And, cr and crack is uh, highly addictive. But how did you get off of it? Did you go to a rehab? Did you go to some place for help? As a matter of fact, you're very intelligent, man, Howard. Mr. McQuinn sent me to the rehab for one month, and they paid $32,000. And after that, I get sober.
Wow. He was always yelling. Like, even he if you asked him a normal... He even, yeah, no. say no. that in a normal way. He said that in <laughs> wrestle speak. Yeah, his, his normal voice was yelling. <laughs> and then when he get mad, he'd go ballistic. Sheik was able to channel his anger into fame with the rise of social media. He went viral in 2006. Remember when... Um, uh, Michael Richards from Seinfeld used the N-word or something in yeah. his act, and yeah. it was a big deal. And Sheik went, Sheik posted a video message to Michael Richards, which is amazing because the he's all over the place. You know, good lord, like son of a bitch, a skinny bastard. I'm going to come, put you, suplex you. Who knew? <laughs> like he, he he'd go from screaming about someone being a Jew, but then he'd defend you know, I don't know I don't know. He was all over the place. He was all over the place. Uh, the Iron Sheik became even more popular when he signed up for Twitter. He picked fights with anyone and everything on there. Here's some of his tweets so we can remember. I wake up, I beat the fuck out of my clock. Don't tell me what fucking time it is. Fuck the clock. That's a pretty good tweet. Don't tell me what time it is. For some reason, he was mad at Justin Bieber. Oh. Yeah, listen to this tweet. Justin Bieber, nice young man. He best singer. April Fool Day. Justin Bieber have a squirrel dick and fuck his own ass till he shit his mother out. Oh. Jesus. Then he was anti-North Korea thing. North Korea, you are a punk. You are a jabroni. I can beat the fuck out of you forever because you have a rice crispy dick. Have a good day. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses, you dumb son of a bitch? What a fucking mind on this guy. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, of course, Sheik, uh, one of his biggest feuds was on this show with Beetlejuice. Yeah. Remember, do you remember that Beetlejuice and Iron Sheik shared a hotel room during a comedy tour together and it didn't go well I, and they fought? I didn't realize that's how it started. Yeah, and I thought it was like a shtick, but he was really pissed. At Be you know, Beetlejuice, let's be honest, Beetlejuice doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And, and Iron Sheik couldn't comprehend. He just thought, like, Beetlejuice was fucking they with him. They put you in a room with Beetlejuice, which was such a mistake. Did he shit on the floor when he was in the room with you? Uh, on the floor, I'm in the bed. Yeah, and the bed he shit? I'm in the bed. I was, it smells horrible. I was ready to take him out, throw him from 20 floor window outside. But I said, the reason I'm not going to do it, respect for my boss, Mr. Howard the store. Somehow Thank I became Thank God for boss. you, you yeah, say yeah. Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I mean, he was, you know, he was, he is the embodiment of the American dream. He came over from Iran. He was broke. He didn't know any English. And he worked his ass off and he got famous. And uh, we enjoyed him on the show. Who put him in the room with Beetlejuice anyway? That was. I don't know. Ridiculous. I think these guys, these guys are crazy. <laughs> I remember we had to stop having Iron Sheik on the show. I loved having Iron Sheik on the show, but he threw a beer bottle at Will. And, uh, I don't know. That was the end of it. You know, there's certain lines you can't cross in the right. work environment. So, 
And then the the third, uh, I didn't even realize he was still alive, is Pat Cooper, who you know I loved. But even Pat, like, we we stopped having Pat Cooper on the show years ago because he was fucking nuts. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, nuts is good. Don't get me wrong, but. Well, he was always nuts, right, from the very first time we met him to. I forget what uh, it was. When we had to forget him. I, you know, you know, everyone said Pat Cooper is funny because he bites the hand that feeds him. So, yeah, you know, I love that. So I'd invite Pat on. I, I, Pat Cooper was a comedian, like more for my parents' generation. And uh, he was a contemporary of my parents. But what I loved about him is I saw this clip of him on the Tom Snyder show. And Pat went on and lost. Someone brought up the name like Lola Falana. And Pat went berserk for like 10 minutes screaming about Lola Falana. And I thought, well, that's funny. And eventually, Pat got so mad at me because um, a bunch of things. But, you know, like like Frank Sinatra took Pat on tour. That's how Pat became famous, got record albums out of it, you know, comedy albums. But eventually, he started bad-mouthing Frank Sinatra. Like, like, like Frank was the guy who, like, helped him when he was nobody and then Pat started screaming about how, I guess it was like, you know, Frank Sinatra should treat me with dignity. He doesn't, you know, like, you always, there was always something that would set Pat off to the point that you couldn't be friends yeah. with him anymore because he was just too angry. You could, he couldn't make, you couldn't, you couldn't talk him down off it. I think the first time he got genuinely upset with me is I wrote my book. And I guess like when one of the pages, I put some of my favorite comedians and I put down uh, Sam Kinison. He went fucking ape shit on me. Like, what do you mean, Sam Kinison? Blah, 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 blah. And the other thing was, I think in the book, too, I, um, I said, I think the greatest guest on our show is Donald Trump. This was before Trump became president. I said, Trump says things that are outrageous, and he's my favorite guest. Oh. <laughs> he went completely fucking bonkers, like, like really angry, like, like, like could not forgive me. You think Donald Trump's your best guest? Bullshit! I'm the best guest. I mean, but he he meant it. Like, and right. I was like, like it wasn't just an offhanded comment to him; it was disrespecting him. Well, you know, I was talking earlier about how I have that thing where you know I'm an endless black hole inside of me, and I you need love. I mean, Pat really needed love. I don't know what happened in his life, but he hated his mother. He was always screaming about her, and you know, I think yeah, there were a lot of family squabbles that happened on the air too with oh, yeah. uh, Pat and his family. Yeah, but yeah, most of his, uh, uh, I guess most of his comedy routine revolved around his Italian American family, and they hated him for it. <laughs> and then, like, he came on our show and he told me he was estranged from his entire family, which we, of course, thought was fantastic. You know. I got two children. Yeah. I got a son, 31. Right. I got a daughter, 28, from a first marriage. Right. We don't talk. Really? Right. Your son and you? We, we don't talk. We don't socialize. We don't g get along with each other. Now, but as long that? as you're supporting for 21 years, you're a good father. I heard your mother last night. I wanted to kiss your mother. Really? Because your mother made me quell. Really? Your mother made me get crazy. Your mother loves you. Your mother wants to bite you. Your mother wants to eat up your black hair. Right. Your mother wants to do everything for you. Yeah, right. Yeah. My, mother, my mother wants to know where's the money. Right. And I don't go to my mother's house. We don't talk. 
Are you serious? My father died a year ago. Right. I haven't seen my father in 12 years. Never talked to me, never said hello. You know why? why? Because I, I double-crossed them. I became successful, and they couldn't handle my success, so they were having nervous breakdowns. Really? Wow. Well, because I'm the guy in the family that they kept calling the jake. So, so you insulted them by becoming successful. Oh, my God. And then Pat's yeah. mom even called into the show once when he was on, and it did not go well. Take your daughter-in-law's side. Take your daughter-in-law's side. You don't like men. You never like men. Anything with pants, you can't handle. <laughs> Remember that. Anything with pants. You're the man, the woman, and the family. Go to your daughters. Kiss right, your daughters. All right. You could cut the love in here with a machete, I'm Robin. And I must say... And that, you're going to need that. All right, Mr. Caputo. He's the type he is. Yeah. He can't right. control himself. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right. He Let's, loves trouble. What's your luck? I he thought loves it was, trouble. I, yeah, you're the trouble, mister. You're the troublemaker. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> that was his mom. I mean, needless to say, I, I mean, needless to say, he was a fantastic guest on the show. I, I mean, I love Pat. And he put it all out there. He was always shot out of a cannon all the time. This, when we moved to Sirius, he came on and he was, again, shot out of a can. Do me a favor. Yeah. Start to eat. I know. I'm, You're I'm, fucking getting too skinny. Life is short. <laughs> Trust true. me. I should probably You're eat You're doing something. a great job. I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm very happy to be here. Sit down, please. I don't want to sit down. I want Robin to breast her boy. How are you, Robin? I'm fine. Happy I'm holiday. And happy holiday, by the Thank way. Thank you. Did I have a holiday? Uh, no, uh, you have to forgive me. I left my hearing aid home. And I'm not being funny. I left it. Of course, to show you how exciting you are to me that I left my fucking hearing Why would you leave your hearing Because I'm home. stupid. He, tell, he called me and says, can you make it by 7.15? I'm here an hour and 10 minutes already. Can you hear now? No. Why would I want to hear you? What do you got to say to me that I got to hear? <laughs> He's so funny. He would say, I mean, who else would say, I, I, I left my hearing aid at home, which shows me, uh, how, you know, how little interest I have in being here. <laughs> But he was always great. And, you know, by the way, I want to also remind people, Pat Cooper is credited for real for coming up with the expression bada bing, you know, using yeah. it and making it popular. Uh, but then, you know. Yeah, the Oxford English Dictionary credits Pat with coining the term bada bing. He did a joke like from one of his uh, routines about an Italian wedding. And anyway, I mean, he's a great talent. Pat's breakthrough came when he did a stand-up routine on the Jackie Gleason show, got gigs touring with acts like Frank Sinatra, Bobby Darren, Sammy Davis Jr. Notoriously difficult to work with and often got fired or talked trash about the people he was opening for. Yeah, he, he on our show, here, this is a clip from uh, 1994. He felt disrespected and went off on me. <laughs> this is him, like, yelling at me. You're out of line. No, you're out of line. No, you're out of line because no, you, you turn around, don't call me for three months, then you get three skivoses who call up and say, Pat no. Cooper, Ben. Now, Robert. there's where you're wrong. No, I didn't call wrong. you for three months because yeah. I, you were the only no, guest who has an open invitation. You had a hook. You had a hook. Don't give me that. You're looking for a hook to get me riled up. You got me riled up. I've been riled up since that time you no, called me. Listen, you know, listen, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Listen, this is entertainment. Howard, I am a genius of myself. Right. Not of you. Right. Not of you. You are a genius. I am the one. I'm your biggest fan. I do not allow you or anyone to take my dignity or my pride away. You know. My father couldn't do it and not send you a stranger next to my mother father can't do it. And I'm sick of this crap because you know something? What? You got to be in A company. Don't put me in B company. Yeah, you couldn't. like A company and B company. I couldn't figure out who was I would ask him. I, I don't know. I would ask him to be on, and then he was just like, you know, you don't put me in a company. 
Pat was on our show. Listen to this. This is a fact. 52 times, Pat Cooper. Wow. So, you know, we had a lot of good times with him. But toward the end, he just would not, he would not accept that I, somehow I disrespected him by not, uh, I don't know whether I was supposed to say he was the funniest guy in America or he I don't even know. Well, he thought he was the greatest comedian. You know, there was nobody greater than him. And you weren't allowed to say you liked another comedian even. But uh, I love Pat. Uh, Rest in peace, Pat. How old was he? You didn't tell us. How old was he? 93, 93 years old. Wow. He lived a a nice long life. I I was shocked because he yelled so much. I thought, like, wow, he's going to have a heart attack. But he lived a nice long life. And um, I thank him dearly for all the great performances he did on our show and came in and was so entertaining. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I hadn't spoken to him in years. You couldn't couldn't speak to him, right, Gary? I mean, after a while, he got, like, all wound up. Yeah, he he was very upset. The other thing, Howard, is you personally 100 percent helped kind of resurrect his career but you could never even insinuate that to him i I don't need you but you really did you put him back on the map again but if you were to say that he'd fucking yell at you i know no i I would never say that he was like i've always been great you know i don't need you and but that's what he did to frank sinatra so i mean i'm peanuts compared to frank sinatra i mean you know like he said i fuck with my parents he goes uh you know so you you're nothing and and there isn't a person who sort of was a pat fan or supporter he didn't piss all over <laughs> uh i think wasn't he once like did johnny carson have a thing with him too johnny used to put so i mean there's crazy stories about pat and the whole lola falana thing was i guess she had him as an opening act and she like i don't know what happened he wasn't allowed to look at her or something he claimed i don't know he, he was, I don't know. I remember that Tom Snyder. He goes, Lola Falana is a semi name. Who is she? He would just scream about people. Right. Yeah. Oh, so it was angry. funny as hell. <laughs> it's funny until he starts screaming at you. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then it's like, but it was even funny when he'd attack me. I could handle that. It just, it just, I don't know. He just, he just got so mad. And I was like, gee, and I he couldn't I'm- get over anything. It just festered. Mm. You know, he was revving himself up the whole time you weren't speaking to him about how horrible you were. And so when he would finally say something, it came out in this, you, how dare you, you don't disrespect me. It was all in his head. And then you try to even apologize. So I go, Pat, I, I, you know, I love you. You don't love me. Fuck you. I was like, oh, my God. So you couldn't really, after a while, it got so contentious. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't even come in. But he was great. He was a great guest. And I know he was very angry with his family. I didn't understand that whole thing. Like the way I understood it and saw it. And I tried to talk to him about it to try to create some <laughs> peace between him and his son and daughter. Right. Because, I mean, nothing's worse in this world than you don't know your own kids. And um, it seems like, you know, Pat got a divorce once kids were young. And the court, you know, obviously, uh, as in all divorces, he had to pay. And the kids, though, were living with their mom. And I guess when the kids were little, they they somehow he felt they sided with the mom. And he then cut off all contact with the kids, you know. Who knows? I mean, who knows? Who the fuck knows? But I said, Pat, 
You know, you know, they were kids. They lived with their mom. Of course they sided with their mom. They should have sided with me. And I'm like, but they're little children. You but know, this goes so. back to the conversation we started with. A person who doesn't know how to parent, he's still in the schoolyard. Either you take my side or you're on her side, and it doesn't yeah. even matter that they're his children. His anger was so funny. But I did really, I think at the, at the, I mean, if we're going to get real, I think the anger destroyed his life. I know he would yell yeah. at me for saying that. He'd go, my life was great. I have a beautiful stepdaughter and I love her. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he would yell at me over anything. I was, if you try to be a little deep with a guy, you get fucking nuts. He always but had a reason was, you were wrong if you were arguing yeah, with him. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was, he was funny as fuck. He really was. He was a great guest. A naturally funny man. Yeah. Even when he, I mean, unscripted, he was funny as hell. He was, absolutely. Uh, Gary says he got mad at me because I, you know, possibly implied that I thought he was funnier as an unscripted guest as he th than his comedy routine right and, that right and that if he went to a nightclub and just did what he did on our show he would be so relevant to the young audience because what would happen is <clears throat> he got a lot of fans from our show and then they would go see him at a club and he would do like a lot of his old humor and I think right. and <clears throat> on our show, he would talk about current events and be right. lambasting politicians and doing yeah. all. And it was relevant. And so they're yeah. going to see that guy. And then he's doing a routine. Yeah. So I, I don't know. He, uh, he was, he was quite a character. Angry guy, but funny as fuck. Pat Cooper, rest in peace. <clears throat> Iron Sheik, rest in peace, and uh, Pat Robertson. You know, I got a, I got a little problem with what he was doing in life, but all right. You think your uh, rest in peace makes a difference to what's happening? Yeah, to them I'm famous. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I want to hear you? What do you got to say to me that I got to hear? Fuck you. Owls can have AIDS. Why don't you shave once in a while? Fuck you. I'll suck my tenants. Any country that openly embraces homosexuality has gone down into ruin. Pat Cooper's got balls of an elephant, baby. I'll climb on them like a panther going after a rabbit. What piece of shit? My fucking mustache can fuck your ass. You don't want your children to grow up as lesbians. Yeah, forget about it. My mustache can fuck your ass. The towels hey. in Kenya have AIDS? Yeah. You know nice. how people get AIDS, Pat Robertson. It's not from towels. <laughs> yeah, they get it from um from sweating. <laughs> <laughs> what a character. Hey John, you're on the air in New York. Hey now. Hey now. Um, you're talking about Pat Cooper. I want to go back to the eighties and nineties. I was a New York City police officer and my partner and I were big fans who always listened to you in the patrol car and one morning we get a call for burglary in progress in a residential building. And we pull up, and we don't want to get out of the car because we want to, we don't want to miss the Pat Cooper insanity. <laughs> so like, two minutes later, the dispatcher calls us back, and she says, the victim just called. The suspect just walked past your patrol car. So we're like, holy shit. We jump out of the car. The woman comes out of her apartment. We throw her in the car because we don't want to miss the show. We drive around the block. We see the guy. We pick him up. Turns out it wasn't a burglary. It was more of a family dispute. So we throw him in the car. And they're arguing with each other. So we say, listen, shut up. You think you got problems. Listen to this guy. 
So for the next half hour, the next half hour, it's me and my partner and these two total strangers sitting in a patrol car in Brooklyn, listening to all in the Pat Cooper family when he's yelling at his kids, his mom. After, so you know, after the segment was over, guy gets out of the car, he goes, you white people are crazy. And <laughs> I, I, I think it worked because we saw them for months later and they were still together. So whatever craziness Pat Cooper had, it had helped yeah. out this car. I love, I love you using Pat Cooper as a teaching tool. Like, you know, you guys, <laughs> you guys think you have problems. Listen to this guy. That's great. Probably set him straight. Well, when you're That's a cop, another. you know, you need every tool in your tool bag. And Pat Cooper was a big one that day. Uh, he was something. What a ball of fire. Yeah. He, Thank you, Pat, for all the great radio that you did on our show. And we really do appreciate you. We do. A lot of characters come through this show. Uh, Boba wants to say something about Pat Cooper. What do you want to say, Boba? Pat Cooper was hilarious. Howard, you always knew it was going to be an all-out war on the radio with Pat there. One time, I believe that you had... When Pat was in studio, took a call from a guy said that he was bad mouthing you or something at, at the post office. Oh uh, yeah, and yeah. He yeah. Went off. <laughs> it was like he, he was mad because I took the word of a guy at the post office over him. He says he did yeah. not bad mouth me. I go, I don't know, Pat. It sounds like you know. And chances are, Pat was bad mouthing me. You know, like if like if a fan went up to Pat and said, you know, hey, I was listening to you on Howard, he probably would be like, you know, fuck him, you know, you know like, 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 he just, he couldn't like, be. Like, how dare you only know me from Howard? I'm bigger than right. that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> what do you mean Howard? Everybody would Howard. Well, you know, I put out 12 comedy albums. Ah, fuck you. I mean, it just anything would set him up. Yeah, Mike, go ahead. Hey, hey Howard, hey now. Uh, it was it was crazy the amount of fucking deaths in a row. It seemed like you guys were on vacation because that's usually the curse when you go on vacation. People fucking die in the celebrity world. Um, but I, I think you're right about fucking uh, Pat Robertson. There's not a lot of good things to say about him. He was celebrating, you know, like you said, blaming hurricanes on gay people. Um, yeah, I mean it's I, it's outrageous, and I mean uh, he made money doing it. It's the worst kind of crime you could commit. Hey, there was a hurricane, cool. and you know. There are, let's face it, we see there's a lot of morons in our country who buy into this kind of logic. Oh, yeah, the sky turned red over New York. It has to be because of the gays. I mean, it's crazy kind of logic, but the guy made a fantastic fortune off of it. And, uh, you know, hey, what can I say? And uh, he uh, never uh, let you see his lifestyle. You know, he wasn't a guy uh, who smart. was flaunting his wealth or doing any of that stuff. Not flashy. Yeah, he right. had a jet though, Howard. You know, he had a private jet to fly. Oh, he had all the accoutrements. I mean, oh, yeah, he just was he smart. He had it all, right? Yeah, 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 Mike, you're right. Um, yeah. All right, here's a game for you. Who had more words? But word count in their obituary: Iron Sheik, Pat Cooper, or Pat Robertson? Who had the most amount of words? Who got the most I'm amount of say print? Pat Robertson. Absolutely. That's uh, that makes sense because Pat Robertson was way more famous than both those guys. Now, and who got said who got this? Way more things, <laughs> right? That you could who, quote in the news. Who got more words, Iron Sheik or Pat Cooper? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's hard. I'm gonna say Iron Sheik. Oddly, and I, I would have guessed the same thing. Pat Cooper got 1,276 words in the New York Times really? obituary. Iron Sheet got 1,115. Okay, wasn't that big a disturbance? Yeah.
By the way, I have to correct you. You know, uh, Pat Robertson said you can get AIDS from a towel. We should mention, however, that Fred got AIDS from a towel. So <laughs> he's All the right, only one. One ever. person. One person. <laughs> washcloth. What was it? A washcloth? Yeah. Fred likes to wash his ass with a washcloth. And, uh, <laughs> the rest is history. How are you, Fred? I'm doing fine. Rest in peace, Pat Cooper. Right? God, was he on fire? Fred used to sit right next to him when Pat was yeah. on. You, your ears probably exploded. I mean, you would have thought that he would have had a heart attack from all that shit that he did. So I, I don't know how. I would have loved to, you know, they should do an autopsy on him. Whatever he did in his life, that's how you should live. Because if you can be that crazy and not drop dead from all that uh, yelling, it means you, well, you have a pretty good, uh, you know, coronary system. They do say if you get all your anger out, you'll be healthier. But, you know, first of all, okay, Pat lived to lived 93. should have lived for a thousand years then. Yeah, I mean, Pat. Yeah, he Pat died lived, too early. Pat lived to 93. Yeah. He did something wrong. Um, something well, wrong. you know, one thing I got to say about Pat, and I know this for a fact, Pat walked everywhere in Manhattan. That's true. Pat, when Pat was in town, he would walk the streets. He always wore one of those members-only jackets. That he was so proud of. And um, I'm telling you, they do say if you walk... I was watching some dude on the internet claiming that if you... For every hour of exercise you do, you live three like hours 10, longer. 10,000 steps or something? Yeah, something. But Pat, yeah. I mean, that probably kept him going. He also watched his weight. Unbelievable. I mean, that he was did. just amazing. Uh, Dennis, you're on the air. Best line you ever said, Howard. One time you were talking about him, you said... Pat's so angry, he could have a, an argument with his breakfast. And I still use that line this day when I talk about angry people. So I got to give it to you. That was a great line it's you so, used. It's so true. I mean, the guy just, I mean, he was just, but it was what made him great. All the arguing and everything. Lance, go ahead. You're on the air in New Hampshire. Yeah, hey, Howard. Thanks for taking my call. Um, real quick, I ran into the Iron Sheik at the Atlanta airport like 10, 15 years ago. I don't think he was actually actually traveling anywhere. And he was just sitting there drinking a glass of bourbon. I walked right up to him. I was like, hey, you're the Iron Sheik. And uh, he said, yeah, sit down. You want my picture? Pulled out an 8 by 10 glossy of himself. Signed it. So how do you spell Lance? And we go through my name every letter at a time. And then he goes, Lance, $5. Okay. I pulled out a 10. He uh, he gave me $2 back and change. Kept the, the rest of it. So uh, it was a pretty you. crazy encounter. <laughs> That's great. I yeah, he asked the guy if yeah. he wanted his picture. <laughs> you want my picture? I, I, the best thing is I, I work in uh, I work in medical sales, and every time we do like a meeting, somebody's like, "Tell me about a celebrity encounter," and I, I get to tell him that story. He's just sitting there. Yes. What's and weird is too a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people don't even know who Iron Sheik is. You know, you tell them that story, and they're like, "I don't know who that is." Hey, Lisa, what's up? Yeah, hi. Um, I met Pat Cooper at a charity thing, and uh, I don't know, some kind of Italian charity thing, and he was uh, doing the stand-up, uh, and he cursed me out because I um, told him that I listened. Uh, my parents listened to his album, and I remember his album, that My Hero, and uh, he like cursed me out saying that I was a little punk or something, you know, yeah, but, 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 you know, because he felt old, and uh, the guy definitely had a... a psychological problem it's he was he was even i like, like that uh mad. pat cooper cursed you out at a charity event that's so great <laughs> <laughs> he cursed her out at a charity event for 
something because she said uh what was it he liked her she liked his album my hero some old album i guess yeah yeah he was like in other words current yeah (laughs) (laughs) pat angry you compliment him and he's angry that happened to me many times with him (laughs) i was kind of excited too that pat cooper liked us because uh, yeah I know my parents really liked Pat Cooper. They thought he was funny. Well, he was one of those guys we <clears throat> knew from Mike Douglas and all those afternoon talk shows, and he was so yeah. funny. And, yeah, we you were know, into and it. then you'd see him on the late night and whatever. So whenever we, you know, he wasn't big at the time we met him, but it was like, wow, that's the guy we used to see. Yeah. Izzy, you're on the air in Connecticut. Man, that's fucking rough about your mom leading on to tell you she thinks you're ugly. She didn't say I was ugly. She said that she, never uh, she knew didn't he think was of handsome. me as handsome. No. <laughs> but that's rough, man. That's like, that's just some cold upbringing, you know, just, I mean, in essence, you know. Well, yeah, you but, know, it was like, it was weird because sometimes my mother really pumps me up, but every once in a while now she has to take me down a few notches. Like, and she was muttering to herself. She can't yeah. decide, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, um, <laughs> like, it's like she couldn't keep that one to herself. She had to share it with me. She just goes, I just never thought of you as handsome. I don't think of my son as handsome. I don't think of you as handsome. You know, like, like she couldn't get over it that someone found me handsome. And I'm like, oh, vey, I, I think I'm the ugliest person on the planet. Now I know where I get it from. And, and like through that though, I mean, you worked so hard to garner everybody's attention and, yeah. you know, you know, through your work and stuff. I mean, would you, would you like it any different? Would you like if there was a lot more love and adoring in your young age and maybe you'd grow up to be like, uh, an amazing guitarist, but not be yeah. known at all? I fantasize about that all the time to have someone who like appreciated me and saw me as, special not not for any accomplishment or something but just because i was their child i would have loved that but but you also do do think no he he wants the fame too well listen i need it i mean you you guys are my only love connection (laughs) no it's really really sad i mean i mean you know i i wanted love so bad i spread my asshole out on mtv i mean it's a desperate man a strange way to get it yes yeah, well i got it people were talking so about the, me you won the best hair award so you got that one down that's good um you know i think you and beth are good candidates for the most fuckable couple what do you mean oh. i'll tell you this you know like if you know if you think about uh couples you know in the public spectrum you know who who you'd want to fuck both of Hmm. Celeb, like uh, having a celebrity thruple kind of uh, fantasy. Who else? I've never heard this before, but I'll take it. Who else is on your list? I'm curious. Who else is on the list? Um, you know, uh, Elef- Elephant Man and Frankenstein? And, uh, <laughs> Hamal. Who? <laughs> George Clooney and Hamal. Hamal, yeah. She's very attractive. And he's and so gorgeous. He. Yes. <laughs> Um, the Adams family, the two from the Adams family. <laughs> Morticia and Gomez? Yep. Hey, They're I'll tell there. you what. I thought uh, Morticia was super hot. 
She had that really, what was her waist was looked like it was 12 inches. Or Tisha. Priyanka Chopra and the Jonas brother. There you go. How about I Jill and Joe right Biden? <laughs> Jill and Joe. Jill and Joe. Uh, ben Affleck and J-Lo. I mean, come on. <laughs> Oh, all right. Yeah. Thanks, Izzy. You made my day. You know, and that erases all of the negative thoughts I have about myself. You're one of the most fuckable couple. There you go. I thought his list was going to be like Donald and Melania, JD and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I should probably. Oh, the, the guy said we have some Iron Cheek song parodies. I guess maybe this would be a good time to hit him because we'll probably never play him again. I don't even remember these. Let me just hear him real quick. You're <laughs> nice, I like that. Fuck you, you, you. Oh wow. Fuck you, you, you. I'll break your fucking back. <laughs> Hard to miss him when he's talking like that. <laughs> so much he, better like that. He's a better lyricist than the one who wrote the song. <laughs> yeah. Linda Ronsat's got nothing on the Iron Sheet. Wow, <laughs> awesome. What else can I tell you? A lot of people wrote us. I should do... I have so many things here. I should play you this clip, too. This is pretty good. JD's job is to, you know, go on the internet, go on TV. He Like, we, we even force him to watch the um, Tony Awards. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go, hey, J.D., you got any clips from the Tony Awards? He goes, oh, uh, 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 maybe tomorrow we'll play him. I go, yeah, oh, good timing. Yeah. We didn't care about him today. We certainly aren't going to care about him tomorrow. But anyway, J.D.'s job is to watch TV and all that. And um, he said to me, I found the best clip I ever heard. And he's right. This is maybe the best clip J.D. ever pulled off the Internet. Really? Yeah. You'll like this. I I was laughing my ass off. During a concert, the front man of the heavy metal group Red Scare talked about his first job, which is jerking off horses. And I think, I I don't know if he's trying to be inspirational or he's pissed off, but it's just one of the greatest talk-ups into a song that I've ever heard. And what do you, you sing know. while after t- talking? <laughs> yeah, I know. About well, that. <laughs> I did yell at JD because he did cut off the clip. And I went, dude, <laughs> I need to hear the song that he sings about. But anyway, here, listen to this guy's rap. This is uh, Casey Shaw of the band Red Scare. When I was 15 years old, I started my first fucking job. Like many of you motherfuckers probably did too. Except I was a little more fucked up. I worked at something called a horse insemination plant. Every goddamn day, I would get up in the morning, and I'd go to this fucking barn, and I'd have to walk down a line with a horse on either goddamn side of me. These horses were fully erect, and I had to grasp 
in each hand a throbbing horse cock and rub it until completion and collect it in a fucking jar. This motherfucker who owned this place was selling this shit for a million dollars a fucking gallon and I was getting paid four dollars a goddamn hour. <laughs> there are three motherfucking people in this goddamn world. Three. There's the man who owns the horse and gets the money. There's the man who has the money gets the horse. And there's us. Me, you, you, you. We jack off the fucking horses and we get nothing. Wow. <laughs> well, there you go. A lesson in yeah. life. Hey, JD, you cut off the guy's song. I, I at least want to hear what kind of song he breaks into. <laughs> I don't know if he could really. It's like it's just like I don't even know if he could understand what he's saying. In the, in the I don't understand what you're saying. Never stops me. <laughs> Sorry, I, I mean I can try and find uh, a longer version somewhere. Is that true that you can get a million dollars for a gallon of horse cum? I might get it into that. It depends on what Ooh. horse it is. Yeah. You know these thoroughbred oh, horses yeah. who are winners wow. and have a good bloodline. Yeah, they pay. That's what's great about winning the Kentucky Derby. You think it's just the horse race? No, those the horses are then put out to pasture, and all they do is provide semen, and they can make oh, millions yeah. and millions of Robin, dollars. What? Let's you and I get some horses, and we'll hire JD to jerk them <laughs> off. <laughs> Why not? What is it? Four bucks an hour? Hey, JD. Four bucks an hour. <laughs> I got some. I got some weekend work for you. <laughs> uh, it'll cause me to fucking yell on stage one day. J.D., go get me a gallon of horse cum. I need money. <laughs> yeah, horse we're, cum. We're doing all kinds of crazy things uh, trying to figure out how to make money. All you have to do I, is get some horse cum. That was the name of my band, Horse Cum. Remember in high school? <laughs> a gallon of gold metal. Oh, listen to this. A gallon of gold medal winning big star semen is now worth $4.7 I got to get in yeah. that game. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's what Fuck. those horses are running for. Wild, wild horses. Never mm, 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 horse come. What did he say, though? Like he'd get on there and the uh, horses would he be fully erect. He had a horse erect. on either side. You know, Double he's walking down off. an aisle. And so both hands are going. What do they call it when like a, like a woman jerks off two guys at the same time? Isn't there a name for that? <laughs> I, uh, JD. Going skiing. Going skiing. <laughs> going skiing. Right, right. Going skiing. JD knows. <laughs> That's funny. A pole in That's each hand. expertise, yes. Woo! Yeah. Four bucks an hour for jerking off. But get a job at McDonald's, dude. That's what I would have yelled out. <laughs> yeah, he acts like that was the only job. <laughs> yeah, go to McDonald's. We'll pay you like uh, 15 bucks an hour. <laughs> jerking off horses. <laughs> Oddly. I got paid $4 an hour when I got into radio, so uh, there you go. We said I didn't have to jerk off a horse. <laughs> I want to know who, who taught him how to do it. I mean, that must have been like the most amazing day when a guy says, well, I'm leaving this job, but I got to show the guy who's replacing me. Does that make you gay if you jerk off a horse, a male horse? I wonder. Uh -huh. <laughs> Let's think about that. Is that a gay act or... 
Not if you don't get pleasure out of it, I don't think. Here's a math question for you. How many horses? Yeah, right. right. If you're enjoying it, then you're Mike. Um, <laughs> how many horses do you need to jerk off uh, in order to get a gallon of horse gum? Well, a horse shoots a lot. Big load? Ropes? Yeah. JD oh. would, you know, I mean, Richard I got, would love that. Yeah. I got the answer. A gallon is uh, about 75 loads for the average horse. So seven, you have to jerk off 75, 75 horses. 75 horses. It's a lot of horses. How long does that take? I mean, does, is that a day's work or is that something else? <laughs> yeah, like, 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 what is that? How many? Like, <laughs> I'm going to pay you $4 an hour, but I expect you to jerk off 75 loads in that hour. <laughs> Get to work, boy. Right. Uh, what is the... the uh, Production value. Yeah, and don't spill a drop of that shit because uh, I'm going to make millions. That's gold. That's gold. Yeah. That's gold. That big load is gold. The other story I was paying attention to was, uh, you know, I always talk about this with Rob, and there are guys who just don't know when they have it good. I was uh, very curious. It's kind of a big media story. I don't think most people care about it. But to me, it's a big story because I like to follow the media because, you know, I'm the king of all media, as they say. <laughs> well, not as they say, as I say. Uh, it is your realm. Yeah. Any media story is, as king, I have to monitor it. <laughs> king of all media. <laughs> that might be That might be the greatest accomplishment of my career. I said to Robin, if I call myself the king of all media enough, the press will... At first, I was talking about the Rolling Stones and Michael Jackson. Right. Rolling Stones were the world's greatest rock and roll band, except they called themselves that for a long time. And then suddenly, everyone said they are the world's greatest rock and roll band, which they may be. But uh, And then Michael Jackson called himself the king of pop. And I just went, you know, if I was the king of all media... I know right now, as I tell you this, Robin, it's stupid, but <laughs> eventually they might start. So every time it was the king of all media, wherever I went, king of all media. And then the press started to go the self-proclaimed king of all media. And then a couple of years later, I just became the king of all media. Right, right. It worked. You know, you could probably challenge that title, but hey, it's written it's in the paper, taken. king of all media. Sorry, yeah. And then, like, some uh, reporters who thought they were so they go, the so-called king of all media. <laughs> <laughs> like, angry with my king of all media status. Well, there's always, you know, resistance <laughs> yeah. when you first yeah, there, start. <laughs> there were certain people, he's a self-proclaimed king of all media. <laughs> How oh, angry what? about it, yeah. At one point, Joe DiMaggio had it written in his contract that any event that he attended... Him. He had to be announced as the greatest living baseball player of all time. <laughs> and people did it. Yeah. Yeah, I did it with the king of all media. It worked. We were shocked that it took off, but it did. I still hear people referring to me as the king of all media. It's pretty cool. You got to say, that's a pretty big accomplishment. It is. Complete. I thought it was crazy when Michael Jackson declared yeah. himself, but then people went for it. I'll come to your MTV Awards, but please introduce me as the king of pop. Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, the king of pop. Hello. Like, it was like a... It fucking works. You are your nickname. Anyway, what I was saying is, 
I'm always shocked when I see this kind of media story because I met this guy too. Uh, this guy Chris Licht, Licht, ah, who was running guy. CNN. Yeah. Jeffrey yeah. Zucker got fired at CNN, and they brought in Chris Licht. And after a year of being CNN, he got fired. Immediately. And, it wasn't uh, even like we're giving you two weeks severance, you know, work out to two weeks. It was like, leave now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd have I always it think them. that's interesting, you know, when it's like, we don't even want you in the building a second longer. Well, you know, it's so funny because this is, I've, I've known guys in the media business to do this kind of shit. I would go to radio stations and the program director would start bossing me around and I, and I beg him, I go, dude. I know what to do in the morning. You know, I kind of have a good grip on it. You know, why don't you worry about the rest of the day? Why don't you tinker with the rest of the 20 hours that I'm not on the air? No, they had to fuck with me and tell me what to do. Don't talk to women on the phone. It makes you sound, you know, wimpy. They, you know, they all had theories. And I'd be like, you know, don't you have enough to worry about picking music that someone's going to listen to? That seems to me like a full-time job. But they always wanted to, like, dabble. And so, like, Chris Licht went over to um, CNN, and he's like, well, I got to do something. Meanwhile, the thing is a big moneymaker. It's making a shitload of money. I read in the New York Times how much money CNN was making before he got there. It was fucking astronomical. You know? So, he goes over there. He's like, you know what we got to do? We have to hear liberal voices, but also conservative voices. We have to reinvent I'm going to yeah, reinvent. I'm going to reinvent, reinvent news. <laughs> and the problem with that was the people who were there watching CNN didn't want to hear some dude with a conspiracy theory about the election. Or that, you know, what's the big deal if Trump steals uh, documents that have nuclear secrets? You know what I mean? The, like the crazy and the and the sort of the the facts the, you, you can't you got to go either all in on the crazy or you got to go all in on you know being liberal or just go all in on being a news uh, organization uh, rational yeah would right. be a nice one to go all in on so then they had that big town hall with trump where there was a bunch of people cheering everything trump said and it looked like a you know looked like a like a rally of some kind i don't know i don't want to get into that but anyway Here's my point. But the best part was that he said he knew how to handle Trump. Nobody knew how to handle Trump. Yeah. He had figured it out. Well, he's right. <laughs> he knew how to handle him. He gave him everything he wanted. <laughs> uh, but Chris Licht, from what I'm reading, he first was working with Joe Scarborough from the MSNBC Morning Show, the Morning Joe. And, it, it, and the guy was such a hard worker that he literally had a brain aneurysm working on Scarborough and reportedly from working so hard. And remember, I, I went on the air and I, I yelled at Gary. I go, where's your brain aneurysm? Genius? <laughs> yeah, you, you're fine. Yeah. yeah, no, he's fine. He's, I like to listen to vinyl in my attic and then have very good scotch, very peaty scotch. And I'm like, you know, you could use a brain aneurysm around here. Everyone around here is healthy as a horse. I've never had anybody work that hard on this show where they had a brain aneurysm. I'm, I would, I was a big admirer of Chris Licht. <laughs> and, uh, anyway. So he worked for Joe Scarborough and then he went to Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Late night. 
late night. I, that's when I met him. Stephen came in for the first time. Chris was with him. Chris is a big fan of our show and uh, met with um, Stephen, had him on. It was great. Chris came in afterwards. We all sat around and talked a little bit. And he was doing great at Colbert. In fact, he was getting a lot of credit for Colbert's success, even though, listen, Stephen's a really talented fucking guy. But all right, whatever. He did a great job with Joe Scarborough, did a great job with Stephen Colbert. And in fact, when CNN offered him the job, Joe Scarborough and Stephen Colbert sat him down, Chris Licht, and said, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? What do you need? You had a fucking brain aneurysm from working with Joe Scarborough. What are you doing? You, you're the, the CBS late night. You're on Colbert show. It's going great. The thing's running itself at this point. You know, what do you, what do you do? He's probably making a ton of dough. He doesn't have a blemish on his record. Sometimes you gotta say no. I, if I told, I'm going to tell you something now I've never even told you. I've never told you this. I was offered my own television network. Now think about that for a second. I'm going to tell you this now. I never have talked about it. I don't think I have. Uh, I don't know it. Okay. Let me put it to you this way. I'm talking about Howard Stern television network. That would have been mine. It would have, of course, been comedy, talk shows, a network. It would have netted me billions of dollars, I'm sure, if it was successful. And I thought about it and I said, no. Why did I say no? You would say, Howard, you're crazy. Because I know my, I know my lane. I know where, what's going to be. Movie I knew would be good if I did it right. Radio show, I understood radio. What the fuck do I know about running a television network? I said, no, people couldn't believe. Okay, I'm going to give you another story. And I think I did tell you this. When you Hefner was selling Playboy, I was offered free. In other words, the money guys would have put up the money. I would have been the head of the Playboy empire. They wanted me to move into the mansion and become the new you Hefner. I was offered that. I said, no. I mean, why? I could give you a million reasons why. I wasn't comfortable with that. You know. But I know my lane. And Joe Scarborough and Stephen Colbert said, hey, don't go to CNN. You, you're on a great role. You got a great life. Well... Did I ever tell you the story when I was offered the country of North Korea? Kim Jong-un was, did you read when he was ill? Do you remember that? And they wanted me to dress up in an army uniform and run that place. Uh, yeah. Robin knows. Oh, you knew that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's but, a bridge too far. <laughs> uh, did I ever tell you? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, look, here's the thing I'm trying. Here's the point, Robin. The point is someone ought to lock me up. 
No, but um, no, but in all seriousness, you got to know your lane. And and uh, you know, I I, I should have called Chris Lick and said, listen, I want to join the chorus of people that would. You're doing a great job on Colbert. Colbert loves you. It's a it's a, it's a slam dunk. You've done the hard work already. The show has its format. But he seemed to have convinced people at CNN. He knew, he knew. what he was talking about. Well, according to that Atlantic article, which I haven't read, but I kind of read or heard things about it. They said that he was really good at explaining to his personal trainer uh, what he should do with um, CNN. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's such a terrible... I mean, I'm sure the article... I mean, I hear the article I mean, fascinating. Really were. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> but he wasn't good... on the guy. <laughs> yeah. He was, it supposedly wasn't good at explaining to the staff what he wanted to do. But. <laughs> That's Howard. a cold comment. What was the comment, Jason? The, the, the comment was like, yeah, that he 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 had this vision for CNN, but he never really talked about it with the staff at CNN or the, the reporters there. And the only two people he seemed to really talk to were the guy from the Atlantic doing the article and his personal trainer. And they said his <laughs> personal trainer would just be like, yeah, I don't know. I watch MSNBC. Uh, just hire Rachel Maddow. You, you just like goof on him. He's like, yeah, just hire Rachel yeah. Maddow if you want a successful yeah. network. <laughs> yeah, don't uh, don't overthink it, dude. <laughs> Howard, they they insinuated at one point. I, I felt so bad for Chris that his personal trainer was like sick of talking to him about CNN. Like he was annoyed right. by it. Yeah. But when they described that the debacle of the Trump town hall, it's just like devastating uh, like you know they were wondering the atlantic guy was like i'm wondering if he understands right now that this was devastating for him and he wasn't sure because he came off the set and said well that wasn't boring <laughs> now i'm thinking about it robin I, that, that's another thing i was offered before uh, before north korea i was offered um <laughs> i was offered my own like talk show on cnn years yeah. ago yeah and uh i turned that down too it's just like do i do enough talking and do over there i don't know i didn't have confidence in it i just like, wonder they... where chris licked is now when i was reading some of that stuff over the weekend i was like is he gonna leave the country where can he hide <laughs> Because this is devastating. They're saying such horrible things about him. I'm sure he's a talented guy. I mean. Of course. You know. The Atlantic article said Chris spent a CNN holiday party sitting alone at a table reading articles about himself. <laughs> Come on. I mean, sometimes I, I can't imagine that. See, that's and what he happens. he gave that Atlantic reporter full access you know, to his starting up this new kind of yeah. news. And so this guy could walk into any meeting, be at any party, you know, be yeah. there for the for the <laughs> town hall meeting. So he saw it all. So funny. Why would you do that? I remember like when Rolling Stone would uh, come to interview me, they go, we want to spend like a two or three days embedded with you. I go, that isn't fucking happening. <laughs> <laughs> two or three days. I'll fuck up. When you're being interviewed, you know, it's showbiz. You're kind of putting it like I would orchestrate everything. You know me. I, I would be like, hmm, I'm going to pick up the Rolling Stone reporter at the train station. I'll put on like a black station on the radio, an AM black station that's like talking radical stuff. 
then when the reporter gets in the car, it'll be really cool because we'll write, yeah, Howard Stern listens to black radio and, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I would, I would like calculate everything. Everything was staged. They're coming to the studio. We're going to have a, a guy in a wheelchair come in and thank me. Yeah. I did that. <laughs> I did that with a, life. I did that with Stone Phillips. I had a wheelchair, <laughs> like they were filming me in my office and then the son Gary comes in and goes, Howard, there's, um, there's someone here that must see you. And then this kid wheels in and I go, let me help you walk. And then I started praying with him and <laughs> Stone Phillips. Holy shit. That guy was pissed. They left. They left. They were like, what the fuck is this? Right, Gary? That Stone Phillips was angry when I staged my uh I, I don't interview. know. I, uh, the, the word I thought of was very unamused at all. He did not, he did not, buy, Can he you did not buy it. I had a wheelchair kid pull in with his wheelchair and I prayed with him. Yeah. So that he could walk again and he was unamused. They had an, I remember they had an oxygen tank and I remember he looked at us like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? He was so <laughs> irritated. Stone, I'm giving you the gift of, of a wonderful segment for your, for your, what was the name of that show that they did? It was one of those, they, like they wanted Magazine to be 60 minutes. Magazine show. Yeah. yeah. Stone I Phillips. Don't, don't remember what it was called. Yeah. Serious dude. Remember that? God. Oh yeah. Came to my parents' house and interviewed us and stuff. I gave him a good interview, but you know, figured well. Yeah, but with like, but like Rolling Stone magazine, we we want to come, we want to live with you for three days. I go, it's fucking not happening, dude. I'll talk to you. We'll do. You know, you can sit and watch me do the radio show. But I'm not going to let you guys. I'm going to fuck up in three days, and you're going to write about it. (laughs) (laughs) I know it. You know what was really disappointing? So the dude gets in my car. And I'm playing the black radio station, AM radio. And I thought, wow, that'll be cool. Howard Stern listens to AM radio. And, you know, and it and, and only listens to black stations. So he gets in the car and I and I purposely drove like my first time I have 70 Valiant, like some uh-huh. man of the people with my AM radio. You know what I mean? Like he drives a shit car. Like everything was calculated, even what I wore, <laughs> everything. Because you know Rolling Stone, they describe what. They, oh but, yeah, I, could, I love I could the just openings see of those articles because yeah, it's, it's like, always some scene. I went to Long Island to see Howard Stern and got in the, his car, his seventy Valiant, and he had a black radio station on AM and and like, uh, wow, you know, or <laughs> something. I don't know. I could just see him, you know. So he gets in the car, and I see he's not noticing what I'm, you know, I'm. <laughs> And I'm talking to him and I keep raising the volume. <laughs> Never got in the article. Eventually I had to say, hey, you see what I'm listening to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Ralph one. Ralph, you're all chatty today. What do you want, pal? Uh, you know, let me tell you why the CNN failed. You should have talked to me instead of his personal trainer. Because the first mistake is they tried to be middle of the road. And he just did right. it half-assed. Then, then he moves... Don Lemon to a bad AM show. Don Lemon was great at night. Morning show, yeah. And then they started having these horrible night anchors. And slowly but surely, I went more and more to MSNBC because their anchors suck. And then he fires Don Lemon. And then he has that Trump town hall, which was such a disaster, of course. But he he didn't know what he was doing. Really? Dude, the guy just lost his job. Take it easy. Well, he deserved to, even before uh, Trump. Well, this is why I said he has to leave the country. Even Ralph. 
is down on him. Tell him to call um, me. I'll help him out on his next venture. By the way, I have been corrected. Stone Phillips, it was actually a woman who was sick but not dying. She was in a wheelchair and had oh, an oxygen okay. tank. I know. Yeah. We did it with a guy at some point, too. We never stopped trying the wheelchair bit. Yeah, I remember Stone Stone walked in and uh, you know they had the cameras all set up and then I'm in, being interviewed and then this woman comes in. Gary goes, you have to see her. It's an emergency. And she wheels in and then uh, I go, what's going on, uh, Howard? I, I just know you, have, you you inspire me. Would you pray with me? And I go, of course I will. Stone, you're just going to have to wait. And I'm there and we're doing a prayer circle. And, she had, and Howard, he, she had an enormous oxygen tank, right? And the thing around her nose. And I remember you like put both your hands on her head. And again, Stone was just so fucking irritated by it. Boy, yeah, how, how is it? So you can do yeah. an operation. How, how is it that people, how, Stone, how could Stone Phillips not think that was the greatest? I don't, I don't understand. It says something about you. He didn't get it. Well, I don't know, man. I, Chris licked up. Maybe Colbert will take him back or something. That would be nice, you know. Well, that's kind of, nice you know. Oh, yeah. you're that guy who got kicked off the end. <laughs> don't they take management? Don't they pay those guys a fortune anyway when they kick them out? Like, there's always a golden parachute. Uh, you know, there's usually the golden parachute. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what his deal looked like, but he was only there less than a year, right? Yeah, by the way, I'm available to run CNN for a year and then get a golden parachute if you want to arrange that. <laughs> I think I it was love thir- to. thirteen months, Robin. He did thirteen months. Okay, but Chris was a nice guy, right? When I when I met him, he was very nice, right? He's great yeah. on the air. Yeah, I mean, he was he yeah. was uh, you know it was an interesting guy. He had a great story, and <clears throat> he was nice on the air. But I mean, I interviewed him with Colbert, right? He came on. Did he come on the air? Yes, yes. So Colbert oh. was there, and then you had heard the story about the aneurysm, and you wanted to meet the guy. Who had you know worked through an aneurysm, and he was uh, he told you the whole story. You've never gotten an aneurysm working hard, have you? No, just a big headache. Right. Greg, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey now, Howard. Hey now. A lookout. <laughs> so, Howard, I love. When you riff on the topic of old-school DJs, old-timey classic announces, and I'm curious, have you ever heard Earl Bailey on Sirius XM Channel 20? I talk about Earl all the time. Earl Bailey. I've done tremendous amount of uh, material on Earl Bailey. Oh, he is the best. And I believe, I could be wrong, did he work at WRNW back in the day? No. Maybe after you? WLIR. All right, you you get into the weeds now. Thank you. All right, who cares? Where, where are we going? Nowhere. He's leading me down a road that, like, I'm not in the mood. I've just talked for three hours. He's got he's nothing a, to say about Earl Bailey, but uh, the call letters of radio stations he worked for. Howard, where did he work? What, what do I? What is this a quiz show? What do I win for knowing all this useless information where Earl Bailey worked? Yeah, I always thought he was a good DJ. Earl Bailey wasn't an old-time DJ. He was a rock DJ who talked like this. I can't even do an impression of him anymore. I used to be able to. He's like, he has like a real deep voice. This is Earl Bailey. And I'm like, man, I wish I could sound like that. <laughs> you wanted that voice. Yeah, he had a real deep voice. There was a guy in Boston who had a real deep voice. I was like, oh, I wish I had a real deep Like This guy's name was George Taylor Morris. 
it for mm-hmm. renames on the radio. He did uh, afternoons at WCOZ in Boston. He was like, you know, this is George Taylor Morris on WCOZ Cozy Radio. Like, oh, fuck, that guy's good. <laughs> and then I, you know, I'd get on my dumb radio station and go, WRNW, what's just 107? <laughs> like, oh, like, Vey, this is going nowhere fast. <laughs> Here's a song from Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. <laughs> Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. You know, and the ladies would swoon. <laughs> and Earl Bailey was had that kind of rock, rock and roll, album rock delivery. Mm. And I was like, wow, he must be real good looking. And you know, he sounded like he was good looking. I don't know if he was good looking or not. I know. A lot of those guys had these amazing voices. And you mm. thought they were good looking. And then when you'd see them, you'd oh want to head he, for the hills. <laughs> oh, my. you see him. You'd be like, Wait a second. <laughs> When did Elephant Man get on the radio? <laughs> oh, here's some tape of Earl Bailey. Many people did a lot of things for the first time while listening to the Moody Blues. Long hours, pondering lyrics, and trying to find meaning, maybe. A- see, And you see how he goes, uh, like he goes, right. pondering the lyrics. Uh, and I was like, I, I even tried that. I'd be like, that was Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I... I message in the music but at the same time uh, justin you told us don't necessarily uh, ask me i'm just a singer in a rock and roll band so we'll go wherever you take it, it, like you don't after a while the voice is so hypnotic you don't even know what he's saying right. it doesn't I even matter like does he make sense is this I'm, making no. sense at all doesn't matter <laughs> and i tried to be more like him i used to listen to wlir long island radio lir was a rock station i'd hear him and i'd be like (laughs) he's the reason i almost didn't go into radio because i you know these guys were they they sounded like professional djs he's good in the mid-60s you you hooked up with an english rocker by the name of marty wilde we don't know him so well over here no that's right father of maybe you heard of kim wilde (laughs) no i don't oh it's a bobo song Okay. Anyway, uh, Earl Bailey narrated our Beatles Revolver tribute special years ago. Thank you for that, Earl. And he does still work at Sirius XM. And uh, it's pretty sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> still doing that thing. <laughs> a lot of these guys, Jim Kerr, WPLJ, he had a deep voice. He has a great voice. I was like, fuck. All these guys have like a professional sound, you know, that my dad would say, these guys sound professional, you don't. And he was right. Yeah, you, you know? opened the door to guys that didn't have deep voices. Yeah, I, Once you- <laughs> yeah, I was considered an innovator. <laughs> I, was, uh, I got on the air as one of those guys that had a shitty voice. <laughs> Earl Bailey sounded like an announcer. He probably did theater and summer stock. He is in show business. You don't do anything to further yourself. Bob Grant has a tremendous vocabulary and speaks eloquently. You do not. Bob Grant reads three newspapers a day. You don't even read the newspaper. <laughs> Yeah, I know. 
I'm going to go to the School of Communications. School of Communications? <laughs> what are you going to do with that kind of college degree? You should do acting school if you want to be on the air. Commu school of Communications? Should read the newspaper. I should hit you over the head with a newspaper. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll knock some sense into me. Did you, were you jealous of your father's voice? Did you think he had a, it, his voice was no. deep, right? No, no, no. I wouldn't, no. <laughs> my dad, my, I was jealous of my dad's intellect. My dad was a very, very smart guy. Uh -huh. Very, very bright. Could absorb information very quickly. Had tremendous ability to formulate opinions based on fact. Uh, yeah, no, I, I was envious of that. Okay. I believe my dad would have actually made a good radio host if uh, I could have corralled some of that. I put him on the air a couple of times uh, with his own show, and he was quite good at it, actually. <laughs> Ooh, there's a bear in my studio. There's a, there's a bear oh here, Robin. Goodness, will you stop? Where's my bear spray? When are you going to get professional? <laughs> I was having an argument with some guy I know. He was telling me he's getting bear spray to protect himself because things are getting nuts out there. And I'm like, well, why don't you just get a gun? He goes, ah, I don't know what I'm doing with a gun. I go, well, you don't know what you're doing with bear yeah, spray. Yeah, what are you going to do with bear spray? When did you become a bear spray expert? He goes, I'm just going to spray it. I go, you're going to end up spraying yourself. I guarantee it. And how close do you have to be to the bear? Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> What is it, Marianne? Howard, you know, all these news stations got like shit. CNN jumped the shark when Chris Cuomo was protecting his brother. That's rule number one in journalism. Then the, then the seat, whatever, the boss of that company, just somebody, he was having an alleged affair with someone. That's not the way these journalists should act, and that's what they're all doing. And they're all one-sided. They're either all left or all right. And it, it, it's a horrible agenda. There's no, like, medium. There's no, there's nobody in the middle that'll well, set first of all, straight. First of all, if you want, uh, if you want the newspaper of fact, just read, instead of being lazy, just, I don't mean you being lazy. I mean people, just right. read the New York Times. That's about right. the best source you can get for any information. That's um, had problems too lately, Howard. There's been some people but, that have uh, not been giving. But They're it's doing fine. fine. Why do you say that? It's because it's the greatest you know newspaper there ever was. It's unbelievable. A person like me can't even get, I, I be honest. Some you know, they had an article. They had an article. I was just talking to my nephew about this. He was saying um, he doesn't want to wash his hair every day. Sure enough, I opened up the New York Times. Whether or not you should wash your hair every day. An article with experts, yeah. uh, you know, the experts like you and, you know, they, you know, they put the work in. They they try to uncover the facts. Well, I, and I know I'll get talking. letters from some douchebag will tell me, oh, they're, they're biased. This Fuck you. Just, well, it, I will say that the New York Times has apologized for their coverage of Donald Trump before he became a political candidate yeah. because they believe that, yeah, they just wrote down what he said. And they never really investigated right, his problems. Yes, and, abso yeah. and absolutely you're right, Robin. That, you know, yeah. no, that all journalists, it's just like, you know, I was talking to someone the other day about this. The American Psychological Association for years said that homosexuality was a, um, like a disease or something. Yes. Uh, 
and then they changed back in the, I don't know, the 80s or something. But up until the 80s, you know, and, and so like the New York Times, like a, a like the American Psychological Association, isn't always going to get it right. But I think they try hard to get it right. Oh, but, I think they should try hard because of the New York yeah, Times. Of course they, they should, should. be the number one. And oh, I wrote to the ethicist in the but, New York Times years ago and they printed my letter. But how it's some of the New York Times for me is over my head, I'll be honest. Like I start reading an article and it's so complicated that I no. really get lost in it. How it is complicated for me. Well, she's saying it's complicated for her, Howard. You can't dispute (laughs) that it might not be complicated for her. I'm not that bright, and I understand everything in there. (laughs) I understand I shouldn't have to wash my hair every day now. I never wash my hair every day. And my hair, I got to thank God, knock on wood, a decent head of hair. All right, 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 enough with her hair. I'm getting a headache. Anyway, uh, I don't know what I was saying, but... Yeah. Oh, and let me tell you about um, television news. If you're going to get any kind of ratings with television news, you know, these all news channels, you got to have an opinion. You got to have opinion shows. There's 10 minutes they can cover the news and people will tune out. Those channels are entertainment. Whether you watch Fox or MSNBC, I'm an MSNBC viewer. I love it. I love it because uh, I like their hosts. Simone I like, and I like uh, Rachel Maddow, and I like uh, Joe in the morning, and uh, Katie Turr, and I like these people. I like, uh, what's her name? What's uh, my friend in the afternoon that I watch all the time? Nicole. Nicole something. But Nicole Wallace. They're, they're all good. And 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 you got to have, in other words, no one's going to sit there and watch the straight news for 24 hours. They got to build an audience. You got to have a point of view. Now, as far as the New York Times goes, the New York Times is written at a 10th grade reading level. I'm just telling you, so don't be intimidated by it, Marianne. 10th grade reading level, that's their goal. As soon as someone starts writing like a college graduate, they fire them. (laughs) You're getting too smart. That's it. No, it's written. I'm I'm telling you the fact. That's what their editorial policy is. In fact, uh, most people who work there are uh, in, in the 10th grade. There you go. <laughs> now, I see some of these people interviewed who write for the New York Times. They're, they're so bright. They're so, you know, they're so smart. Ah, what's the difference? Do what you want. Watch whatever you want to watch. Uh, Wednesday, Andy Cohn will be here, Robin. Hey, do you want me to run down the... Um, I told you about the heavy metal singer who jerks off horses. <laughs> By the way, uh, you should know I've ordered my staff to write at a third grade level. So no one here is left behind. Anyone who, uh, anyone Marianne who has a higher. has no trouble following the show. It's not. Too no one, for no one has ever said they had a problem following <laughs> the logic of this show. It's really meant for, even idiots love this show. Yeah, the stupidest really people. <laughs> we write at a third grade level and we broadcast at a first grade level. No, I don't. It's called. Uh, oh, I had a sour shoes update. I'll do that tomorrow. Oh. I had. Um, yeah, I'm going to. Oh, it's a good update. It's sour a good update. Shoes has not been around for a long time. Yeah, I know. Hey, 
Let me read you this feedback. We'll get out of here, Robin. Uh, Dave Matthews uh, was on our show last week. A lot of positive feedback on what Dave was doing here. Uh, Thank you for the interview. Fantastic. I started listening to Dave's, Dave Matthews and Howard right around the same time, 1995. I love Dave, had the chills the whole interview. You better see a doctor if you had the chills. <laughs> Maybe um, something's going on. Something's probably wrong with you. Might be long-term COVID. <laughs> Can Dave please make a weekly cameo for a segment called Howard and Dave Chat? They are two peas in a pod. Thank you, Stern Show. There you go. I'm open to that. I'll uh, I'll do a little weekly segment with him. I was introduced to Howard when I was 13 and Dave when I was 15. And now I'm in my mid-40s. Sure, I'm in a hospital, but so what? No, <laughs> I'm in my mid-40s now and have seen Dave and his band over 75 times. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah, 75 times. Wow. I can't say I've seen anybody 75 times. No. We have, I don't even think I've seen you 75 times. <laughs> the two most prominent voices of my lifetime, Howard and Dave, together. Super insightful and beautiful. Uh, Howard loved Dave's performances. I hear, you know, he played, uh, this, this was the first song he ever wrote. I'll be I'll back you up is the name of this. When you're not here, that's hung around my head. And your lips burn wild, thrown from the face of a... This guy says, uh, I'll, um, funny how time slips away, the uh, Willie Nelson tune. Uh, he loved it, and that uh, this guy says he got chills too. I'm telling you, there's a fever out there. It's been so long, but it seems like it was only yesterday. Ain't it funny how time slips away? Slips away. Evidently, Dave Matthews' flu is going around where people get the chills when they hear him. <laughs> Uh, Howard was grooving in my car on the way to work, listening to Madman's Eyes. What a great vibe. Yeah, I love that new song, Madman's Eyes. I thought that was a real good song. I'm afraid, can't lie. Mama said, baby, don't you cry. In the... I like the beginning, too, where that, it had that Middle Eastern kind of yeah, metal yeah. feel. That was hypnotic, this thing. Got a little hook. I like when Dave is explaining how he came up with this. Little Billy's got a gun, little Billy's having fun. Shooting bottles on the wall, dreams the hero come home from war. I look real hard. When he was playing that in our studio, I said, that looks really hard to play. Uh, you know that. Uh, were you looking at where his fingers were and yeah. all that? Did you try it? No, fuck no. I mean, I think you got to, first of all, you got to build up the muscles in your hand for that. I think my hand would be, that looks hard. Plus, I can't ruin my hand. You know, I need it to bowl. So, uh, <laughs> no, nah, that, that looks really difficult. Like, especially on acoustic guitar, things look easier on an electric guitar. I don't know. That's just my perception.
But a lot of a lot of mail here about Chris Wilding and JD kissing. Tan mom couch photo. Oh my God. I still can't get over that. Yeah. People people go like basically we thought oh, you were grand. bullshitting. Like, like we thought we'd go on HowardStern.com and look at that photo of Tan Mom and we'd see her right away. You can't find her on the couch. <laughs> tan Mom, wow. I would love to see her pale. Does she have any picture of herself before the tanning? She's in total camouflage. She should work for the Navy SEALs. Yeah, imagine right. what she, she could do. She is like Predator. That's what somebody <laughs> said. She is the Predator. Yeah, like we could stick her in Vladimir Putin's office and uh, she could take care of him. Uh, get the Pulitzer Prize people on the horn. The tan mom photo is right up there with the napalm girl and the self-emoliating monk. Self-emoliating. one, Yeah, you know, that guy lit himself on fire. Yeah. One oh of the most God. important photos of the last hundred years. So hilarious. Tan mom looks like she is one with the couch. That's insane. <laughs> My wife had to look at the picture four times before she realized there were actually three people sitting there. One fan noticed that Tan Mom's photo was trending on Google search. It's what? crazy. Yeah, they got a graph and everything. Wow. Uh, I clicked on my Google bar and trending searches popped up. This first one was Tan Mom couch photo. Nice job. And uh, this spiked on June 8th. Anyway. Tan mom ought to get be able to get some modeling jobs out of this because she's such an unusual subject. I can't believe guys aren't fucking her. I mean, she's so hot with her tan. And uh, wildfires uh, in Canada. Some people wrote us about that. The wildfires in Canada, of course, blanketed the U.S. in smoke last week. The Let's see, Howard, it's bad out there. I was out in the city for less than a minute, and that air gave me insane headaches. I didn't feel right the rest of the day. It looked like Blade Runner out there. You know what's so crazy? I was reading an article about this, that um, they're saying that, yes, lightning, you know, with the drying conditions and the global warming, the, 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 the sometimes lightning and, and natural occurrences can start these fires. But the majority are assholes who go into the woods and do dumb shit. And the problem is these guys who start these fire, you know, think of all the wildlife loss, the trees, the how bad it is for the environment. These people go in the woods and do asshole things. They never get charged or anything like you are talking about. Them. The, how do you know who's, you know, flicked a cigarette while they were yeah. walking or some guys go hunting? They, and it says do not hunt because the spark from the gun literally starts yeah. these 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 forest fires. Funniest thing I saw was Sal was in Manhattan, of course, working. He was wearing a mask outside. You know, you had to wear a mask. It was so bad. You got to see this video. I mean, it's so visual. I'll put this up on HowardStern.com. Sal has got his mask on, and then all of a sudden he pulls the mask down to vape. Uh, and it's the crazy. I'm going to play a few, and I just want to hear your reaction to it. Do you, do you guys have that handy, or is it impossible? It's a visual you thing. You Give me one sec. Okay. It's strictly visual. You're going to have to go to HowardStern.com. But this is Sal in Manhattan. It's the funniest thing you ever saw. He looks like such a degenerate. He's got the mask on. He pulls it down so he can put some stuff in his lungs. That's probably worse than the wildfire air. 
The amazing thing is Sal's lungs are now the color of Tam Mom's couch. <laughs> Here it is. I want to hear your reaction. Here's Sal. Uh, he doesn't even know the camera's on him, so. I mean, it's crazy, he's right? so ridiculous. Yeah. He's just ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm an Take idiot. the mask off, vape, breathe, because you don't care I'm about crazy. Your Howard, I was starting to get hopeful that you were getting back into the world. And then I looked out at the sky and it looked like the the filters Steven Soderbergh uses in his films. I bet you'll never come outside now. No, I was outside. I'm Not trying. in Manhattan. No. Fuck no. Are you kidding? <laughs> By the way, our own Bigfoot lives near the Canadian border, right? Vermont. Oh, really? He left Wolfie an urgent voicemail warning him about the dangers of the fire. Even How sweet. It, it, How sweet. Bigfoot. Wolfie, Canada's on fire. Canada's on fire. And um, my head's out the window it is, breathing this muggy air it is. And uh, Canada's on fire. Wicked bad up there. All right. Have a nice day, it is. Enjoy the smog. All right. Bye. A lot Why of is it his is. his head out the window? Well, he's Bigfoot. <laughs> Canada's on fire, it is. I love that it is. I don't know what the hell. How did that happen? That but comes it's so and great. goes. Like when he's on medication, there's less it is at the end of his sentences. But I love it. Wolfie did the follow-up, too, with Bigfoot. He called him immediately to get a live report from the scene up in Vermont. If you want to hear that, I'll play it for you. Sure. How smoky is it up there? Pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Cough for no reason it is. They just keep coughing and coughing and coughing for no reason. Have you considered crossing the Canadian border to put out the wildfire yourself? They won't allow me across the border. I'm border-bound. Because I pulled on somebody's panties one night in a strip joint. After I asked for a slow gin fizz and it had no fizz to it, they gave me this slow gin and begged me to buy that. So you're completely banned from Canada? Yes, I am. Yes. If you step into Canadian soil, what will happen to you? I'll get arrested. What will you do if the fires get close to Vermont? When it gets close to Vermont, I'll take a bucket and put it out. You think you can handle it? Of course I can handle it. I can handle almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like isn't that a great visual? I mean he's able to paint a picture with that cough. Well, yeah, yeah. you you really know he says he's coughing for no reason. It's just because of the smoke. I'm always trying to think of a career for Bigfoot. Don't you think he could jerk off horses for four dollars an hour? imagine he'd enjoy that <laughs> something would go wrong <laughs> i like I, I like the idea of calling uh bigfoot nice job wolfie calling bigfoot for a follow-up on the news i we should call wolfie should call bigfoot on everything in the news yeah any big story yeah Hey, Bigfoot, Tina Turner does. What is love have to do with what it is? With what it is? What love have to do with it is? With what it is? Nice. Good job, Wolfie.
Anytime there's something that, big I in the news. I thought that was very sweet. He wanted to tell Wolfie that he'd better watch out because Canada's on fire. Yeah, you always say Bigfoot doesn't care about other people. You're wrong. <laughs> Howard, B Bigfoot doesn't think I watch the news. So whatever happens in the news, he calls me every single day <laughs> to make me aware. It's, 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 it's fascinating. <laughs> really? Wow. Like, What other shit does he call you about? I mean, anything like, uh, Ukraine, war, he'll call it, tell me that. But, but it's like, it's like there's, he has hmm. no concept that I might be aware some of these things are happening in the world. It, it's always Gosh. urgent. He always wants to warn me, make sure I'm safe, COVID, anything like that. He, he calls. Yeah. He's a good man. Yeah. Oh, my I like it. I like it. <laughs> like Maybe we should take. have the Bigfoot news. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love it. I would love it. Every day, like, we'll just have a little segment pre-recorded. <laughs> He's like a, like a, um, like a scabies infested Dan Rather. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, good job, Wolfie. All right, Robin, we got to get out of here. I, I do have to remind you that I told you Wednesday, Andy Cohen stopping yeah. by. Looking forward to that. And uh, oh, coming Wednesday, we got a special guest in the building. Radio and TV host Andy, 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 Andy Cohen. By the way, thank you to the Stern Show listeners who love filling my DMs with your dick pics. Only on Wednesday's Howard Stern Show.